0: Yeah, yeah, here. here. We're, We're fine. fine. Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of Get in the Garage. I am Mike here with Jeff We are sans Luke today, but we have a very special guest, a returning guest. Mm. You may remember him from the Bob Marley episode. It's our man, Roy Hool. Welcome to the podcast, man. All right, man. All right, man. man. (laughs) Um, Yes, 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 yes. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Uh, This is our Thanksgiving special, and we wanted to do this last year, but because of COVID and... The way schedules work. We weren't able to do it, so we're finally able to do it this year. And we will be talking about one of the greatest concert films of all time,
1: The Last Waltz. Before we start, can the band uh, band. make make a very special announcement? Yes. This podcast should be played loud. Okay.
0: Very good job. Yes, thank you. It Uh, should. That's why we turn the levels up more than we usually
1: do this episode. Um, For those who don't know, The Last Waltz is a concert film chronicling the quote unquote. Farewell show of the band, the band in 1976, filmed by Martin Scorsese uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. And it was held at the Winterland Ballroom. And it's a very festive affair with lots of special guests and lots of uh, fun moments in the film. And there's some interview segments that were filmed uh, post show in the next year, year and a half afterwards. Um, film was released in 1978. And by all accounts, it's like the concert film. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the one people know. It's like this, Woodstock, and Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. Those are like the three that people yeah, get. It was down definitely with. a landmark. Yeah. Sure. Um, and since it's Thanksgiving, we thought it was really appropriate to uh, gather here as friends over my bowl of oatmeal and banana <laughs> and um, discuss this movie, which is available for free on. Tubi,
0: Tubi, not a sponsor of the podcast
1: yet. yet. Not a sponsor yet. Not yet.
0: Sponsor us free too. with that. Come get it. Come it's sponsor us,
1: Tubi, before your business erodes in a year and a half because <laughs> yeah, you I offer know. all movies for free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not a not a good business plan. That one. Um. So yeah. Um. So we are breaking everything down into categories, right? Yep. Our, our favorite moments and so on.
1: Yep, we have nine uh, categories. Um, we're gonna talk about our favorite performance, our least favorite performance, non-performance moments, uh, quotes, outfits, other funny moments, uh, best guest feature, best member of the band, and the overall MVP of the movie. So let's get started. Let's uh, yep. round table. Let's talk about some of our favorite performances. And you can uh, you can do like a two category, like just band, and then like featuring someone. Okay, and you know, think about like how the songs okay. and like how it's filmed and all that stuff. We're gonna start with Roy, our special oh, guest.
2: Right, um, hands down favorite performance of the night, probably my favorite band tune too. Is it makes no difference? Mm. Um, Garth Hudson's sax solo. I know is the is probably it's I. It's so good. <laughs> I think that's probably really mm. the. Cur- I, I don't, and I don't know chronologically where it fell mm. in the evening either. I'm not that brushed up. on yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. No. I did listen to the whole four CDs, oh, yeah. the whole four C D thing <laughs> yeah. in yeah. preparation for this and a lot of the a lot of the rehearsal stuff is Dr. John's rehearsal uh, is Such a day. Go back and go back and listen to <laughs> just the rehearsal it's his rehearsal
1: just gathering and speaking voodoo and (laughs) it's 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 well (laughs) it's it's
2: it's acapella with the piano so it's a
1: lot of
0: it's a lot of him just rambling we were watching it last night jade and i in preparation i'm just like look at that big old bowl of gumbo just sitting there playing the piano he's the man i love dr john so much Yes um yes, in that but it makes
2: no difference and yep. you know great i i mean my favorite vocalist of all of them super Danko, is definitely Me too. the uh, i maybe yeah i but i just feel like yeah. and if okay who had the strongest vocal performance sure. of that evening mm-hmm. of the band members definitely mm-hmm. him he was Spot on yeah. all night long, and was yeah, I love his voice, hitting it, hitting it hard on, and his songs are hard too. Like they're not easy. They're exactly yeah. he's he kind of covers the stuff that the other guys don't, and he, uh yeah, that that song is great. And like I said, the sax solo in it is definitely you know great. I love great this. use of the great use of the thirty five millimeter oh, camera. Yeah. That's the whole I thing. Like it. to yeah. have the to have. Yeah something that because you gotta think that film (laughs) it's older than you think it is because it looks like it's from the 80s but it's not it's 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 very time capsule that's
1: why i like that song because even like in the opening credits where they're like showing the members and their names under them garth hudson is so far in the back they don't even have his face with his name because he's just like behind a pile of keyboards Yeah, yeah and then on it makes no difference he's like Right in the foreground, he just walks into the spotlight, it starts playing sax, and you're like, oh, finally I get to see this dude. I know.
0: The only <laughs> other shots you get of him are of him, like, <laughs> like throwing his head around to the music and his hair just kind of, like, oh, yeah. floating above his head. Yeah. <laughs> he has a moment,
2: but we'll talk about it yeah. Later, yeah. In yeah, the, yeah. later in the program. Um, um, and then as far as uh, sure. uh, the guest performance, I'm very impartial to Muddy Waters right mm, off the bat. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that he really... Vo- and vocally, he was just—he just killed it. And I mean, you got to think all those other guys. I mean, they're young at that time. He's not. He's—he's. He's, yeah. If you notice when notice the, uh, the the big part with Ringo at the end with mm. everybody on stage, Muddy's back at the hotel room already. <laughs> Muddy, has <laughs> yeah, been has yeah. t- been tucked in already yeah. by <laughs> the time that Muddy happened.
1: Waters look, looking looking <laughs> a very 1976, 58 years old. mean yeah, yes. he looks like he's 80 years old. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he left with a plate of food. Yeah. Ate it already and was in bed by the time. Yeah, right, right.
1: Famously, that song. Um, they had like five different camera operators, and the reason why it's all one shot until the very end is because every other camera was malfunctioning or like changing film, and they only had that one long like close up
2: at yeah. the end of their film. Yeah, and well, and furthermore, saying about yeah. the whole CD set, his version of Caledonia that they don't oh. put in the movie mm-hmm. is great. That yeah. it's. it's the, the performance yeah. from that night I mean and I guess that's the first time we first time I'll say it is just listening to all these other musicians with the best backing band in yeah. history playing their music mm-hmm. you know even things that aren't necessarily right in their wheelhouse like mm-hmm. they tear it up yeah you know well it's all in their wheelhouse but they're yeah they they really things even songs that are not theirs and mm-hmm. are not necessarily their thing they really tear it up that
1: night yeah yeah I love both those performances. Um, what are some of your favorites, Mike?
0: Uh I'll start off with my guest and we already oh. talked about him, but Dr. John, man. Yeah. I lo- I love his performance Great. with him. He's yeah. so good. He just comes out and he's wearing like the beret and like the rhinestone mm-hmm. like velvet coat. We were watching it and <laughs> Jade's like every outfit that these people wear, like they look I just feel like I would be so sweaty. Like, nah, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, especially Doctor John. It does not appear to be a very breathable material. Mm-hmm. I mean, um that's besides the point. But, you know, the big glasses and just kind of like the always like smiling and kind mm. of the, like his whole persona, I think, is just so mm. it's just so good. It's so, so good. Pretty sure everybody there would have been sweating no matter what they were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. A little special on it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I love that. And then um, I think at the beginning of the film, it's what's actually the last song, I think, mm. of the concert. Uh, they play "Don't Do It," yeah, and I love, I love, I love, I love the fact that it opens with the closer, mm-hmm. and I also just love just that song. I feel like it's so strong, and it's such a good mm-hmm. way to kind of like send off the night. You know, yeah. uh, Levon Helm in that is just amazing you know we'll get into like you know favorite voices and members yeah, and all that all stuff but too. dude leave Helm the whole fucking time is just putting in work man yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and singing on top of it and like he's like playing and he's playing and singing and his eyes are closed the whole time and you're like how is he doing all of these things with his eyes closed yeah you know but um but yeah so don't you do it probably my favorite just band yeah. track and then uh such a night with dr yeah. john if I don't do it, somebody mm. else will. It's um, just—it's yeah, so
1: good. Yeah, my favorite ones. I—I I will agree. My favorite band performance, if I'm gonna pick one, was "Don't Do It." Um, I love that they opened the film with what closed out the night, and how str- like strong it is. And this this film is known for lots of overdubs after the fact because really the only person who they kept all of what they did was Levon Helm, because singing while playing drums, you can't really splice things away that much. Um, and you can tell, you can tell the other guys are, you know, faking it on certain parts. A lot of Rick Danko overplaying the bass and you're like, that is not what the bass is yeah, right? doing well, right he's now. Yeah, right, his floppy <laughs> arms and he's um, just... <laughs> but Don't Do It is just, I love the interplay between Levon and Rick Danko. Um, it's just an underrated vocal harmony group, in my opinion, the band. And, uh, my favorite guest performance... Is the Ronnie Hawkins performance oh. because I love the fact that, like so musically it's good and it's fun. It's just this like rollicking country blues type of thing, but and it it just sounds so so uh it just sounds so full, even though it's just like the stripped down bar blues song. And I I just love how it's the dude who like put that band together and it comes full circle. And even they with gave them, gave him his moment, even yeah, though he's far yeah. from the limelight at that right. point. Yeah. and he's like a dude who's all charisma because, like, the singing—it's just a blues song—but he's doing those howling, like ah, ah, ah.
3: Yeah.
1: and and yeah. even starting the song by by doing the like little sing-song rhyme before to counting the tempo. Um, I just love it, and they're all just like having a blast. So it's it's cool to see like dudes that were playing and getting bottles thrown at them, and yeah. now they're like talk of the town so yeah sure.
0: i love when um robbie robertson launches into a solo and he takes his cowboy hat off and starts fanning the guitar <laughs> yeah. off like you're just like this yeah. guy's got it he's yeah. like we made the big time when he starts yeah. yelling that and like and his, right before in his the song lyrics starts. he's
1: he's name check name checking the different members he says yeah. something about like don't give me any of that guff garth yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah. garth is behind playing <laughs> playing the keyboards up near his head because he's so buried behind walls of keyboards. <laughs> um yeah yeah but Yeah, A a movie chock full of great performances. The other thing to think about is
2: Don't Do It probably Mm. started at like 2. They they started (laughs) playing at 9 o'clock. I think it's just after 9 o'clock. That song gets filmed around –
0: they ended at 2.15, so that probably happened after. That's a long – That's a set, man. That's a monster set. And also not only playing Mm. your songs but other people's songs too.
1: Side note: How do we? How much do we think tickets were? Like it, eight dollars? It, 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 yeah, no, <laughs> right. it was twenty five
2: dollars, which was okay. a huge ticket yeah. at the time because they said the t- typical ticket price oh. for a concert at Winterland was like between three and six dollars. Yeah. But they did. But feed you them, got right? a You got yeah. They yeah. had five thousand turkey dinners, ballroom <laughs> dancing, seven poets. Yeah. I mean, it was a. It, it was yeah. pretty much a whole ordeal to go and i mean it was on thanksgiving too so you were kind of putting off your thanksgiving dinner to i mean boy let me tell you though those the people that were there though to put that one in to put that notch i haven't i've never met anybody that's actually no maybe i know people that have met bill graham i know a few people that have spent time with bill graham but not never met anybody that actually went to that show yeah
1: um, so let's move on. We oh, talked about some of our favorites. What are some of your least favorite performances?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm a, what I okay. I'll lead, start us, off lead with... us into this one. <laughs> this might be people might disagree with me, but I always just skip Joni Mitchell. Like. Uh, I just, uh, yeah. Oh man, I was like, Where's Luke? Man, know. I wish Luke was here because I wanted to see his face when we, when, when
2: uh. he, because I know he's a big Joni fan. And but... I
0: lo- listen, I love Joni Mitchell, but I'm just like, All right, lady, I get it. You know, like, I just I'm like, and I love, I do love her genuinely. I
2: don't mean to sound she doesn't know any she does not know the song is ending either though like she she go <laughs> I, I I was like wow that's like she she definitely yeah. doesn't she doesn't get that there's an ending to the song It's the song, a song never on ends the, on the yeah. record
1: she yeah. sounds so good though vocally yeah right right it's it's, but yeah, it's, it's like, joni Mitchell it's like it's like free jazz folk yeah, when it's yeah. a bunch of dirty blues rock the rest of the night mm-hmm.
2: and watching that video made me realize how much i like Coyote by mm. um, Joni Mitchell due to Jocko Pastorius playing oh, the sure. bass on the record. I don't think I even listen to Joni Mitchell. I think I listen to yeah. Jocko. So, yeah. I loved watching Rick Denko. Because <laughs> he's not there. Because Rick,
1: Rick Denko re-recorded some Jocko-esque type stuff. But on stage, you could see him right behind Joni Mitchell. And he's just like thumping out the root notes. Yeah. And you're like, that's not what's being played right no, now. <laughs> not at all. Um, I, I like it, but all honesty. It is... It sticks out because it's so different musically. Right, that's definitely. what I mean. It's like the
0: sore thumb of the, yeah. th- and it's. I, I think, yeah. Oh, it,
1: we'll get into sore thumbs. <laughs> <right>? But I'm <laughs> just <a couple> saying. <laughs> I'm just saying
0: that it. Just, yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's just it, in the context of the, of the music that's being played. It just sticks out as kind of being like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah.
2: I mean, she she is part of their little clique, right? Of yeah. musicians. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I yeah. get the point of it, and it's mm-hmm. it has its moment. But musically, it is definitely, you know, that would have been my bathroom or inter. I would have been getting a hot dog for that one. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's interesting, too,
1: because she sang, (laughs) like, if you listen to the four CD box thing, she sang on a bunch of stuff. She she did like seven songs in a row. And it's strange that they picked Coyote to feature because that's the only song in the whole thing where it's like someone is playing a song off their next record type Mm -hmm. of thing. Because it was off of Hygiera, which came out that year. Yeah. So it wasn't like she's playing Woodstock or, you know, yeah, something yeah, yeah. off of Blue. She's like playing her new shit, which was a strange choice, but I respect. I love Joni Mitchell. Yeah, that's Luke um, Roy. What are what's one of your least favorite performances? Well,
2: going back and watching it, um, the th- completely un—I was completely underwhelmed with mm. Bob Dylan. Mm. Uh, going back and looking at mm-hmm. the night and looking at. Um, like, just how good some of the other people, like, like I can't put Bob Dylan in front of Paul Butterfield. I think Paul Butterfield mm. put a lot more heart into his thing, Bob Dylan, and actually going back and researching for the show and kind of learning the backstory. I think maybe that's what it is, because now that I understand a little bit more of the backstory of mm. Bob Dylan kind of throwing a kink in the works for the band yeah. during the thing, which, I mean, we're all aware of Yeah. What, what happened there he kind of threw a uh monkey wrench and said that he didn't want all of his things all of his performance filmed and kind of gave them a heart attack on the day of the show and he was definitely not the strongest performance so when i look back at it and yeah okay i guess that he probably did the most to bring their music worldwide and pull them out of their little corner of the world onto the world stage but looking at that night he was way overrated even in my own head thinking of what it was because he didn't yeah. he didn't take a single solo the mm-hmm. whole either i mean right, and i mean i don't want to start putting up robbie robertson now but really like he really great guitar playing throughout the whole yeah i love his style Lead guitar playing like he's just very tight very tight and the tone is really good and even on bob dylan's songs i watched what robbie robertson was doing because bob dylan was under he was not vocal i mean he has that sloppy style anyways yeah it's great if you like bob dylan a real lot so i wish luke was here to see his face right now when i wait was that
1: was that bob dylan i thought that was a poodle in a white satin hat (laughs) yeah (laughs) good 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 costume (laughs) choice i mean i definitely like
0: i like that
2: well and they gave him i also that was the other thing i was like he's the only person in the movie that gets two songs and it was like neither of them you really could have put caledonia in there and it's way better than anything bob
0: dylan did that night it's way more energy it's way more yeah i get the i get the vibe from bob dylan uh that it's just kind of like he's like well you know i i guess i better just do this you know that like it it just seems like he just went like he was like doing them a favor and then i I know in terms of him he was putting wrench. a movie out right he was yeah, about yeah. to release he, a movie he had already and... some, he had some something that was coming out in relation to uh, Rolling Thunder Review right i think oh, uh, but he was afraid right that the that his feature in the movie would take away from the movie that he was already putting out so he didn't want that to happen so that's why he he protested his performances in the in the film like literally right after he walked off the stage it was like he went up to Martin Scorsese and was like, you know what? On second thought, I don't want any of that in the movie.
1: Yeah, but Ringo showed up and he was filming Caveman. He put it aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I would say my... my. Can ahead. I throw one more sure. quick one out there?
2: Yeah. In, 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 whether if it comes up, I just... The other thing that I felt that was stronger in my memory than it was was Neil Diamond. I really, as much as I uh, did like what he did, I really was like, you know, like... <laughs> He really was underwhelming as well yeah. compared to a lot of the other people that mm-hmm. night. That really, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I would have almost listened to more Neil Young, and I'm not like a crazy <gasps> Neil Young guy. Neil I know, uh, the I original know, original country emo boy. But, he, but yeah. we, th- I just threw a bunch of names yeah, out yeah. there. But at the same yeah. time, like yeah. I just Neil, when I went back, I was like, I guess in in remembering this mm-hmm. movie, maybe it's because. I've grown a little bit more musically in the last mm. few years since I've watched it so I'm, maybe I'm judging I'm judging people more on the performance level yeah. than yeah. my feeling towards the music right. what I like and what I don't mm. you know so Yeah I
1: mean, I, I've, I feel you on the Neil Young thing though because looking at it this time it was like it's kind of just strummy open acoustic guitarist chords and the voice is a little underwhelming I thought it was more powerful but
2: Yeah yeah that was my I thought he was good though. I thought I I was was waiting for somebody to bring it up. Well, I I guess that the the other thing, I guess the other thing talking about the Neil Young performance is Neil Young really looks at home with that group of musicians. Yeah. Like he, he looks like he could stand in. And I mean, he did that a lot. Neil Young was the fourth guy in a lot of bands and stuff like that. But he really, I felt that he had a good connection. And he looked like he was having fun too. Yes.
0: Also,
1: he looked like he was having fun backstage. Well yeah no that's we that, that, that's all the funny know that. thing. Yeah they had we to all...
0: remove the cocaine smear in post production from Neil Young's face. He had
1: a you could see the rock
2: in his nose. Yeah, yeah you no, can see I, it. I, that, I didn't I pointed, pointed out. it
0: out to Haley yeah. while we were doing
2: Yeah.
1: That. Um my I would say my least favorite's I'm going to give it a tie. Um Fuck Van Morrison who's like a drunk karaoke uh, singer. See that's, He's that's, such a fucking Asshole And then And then he's just like eh. He like he walks, walks off stage off. It's like What the fuck This fucking <laughs> Sweaty jackass Um And I've never liked Van Morrison though Like ever Because Here's a Van Morrison song I'm gonna sing up here And I just kinda Scat sing on one note And then I do down here And then I just Come back up here And this stream of Conscious bullshit And fuck that dude Um And Neil Young I mean, all respect to the people who paved the way and like great songwriters and all that stuff. Neil Young music talent is like worse than the dudes I see strumming a guitar outside of fucking Walmart. Like that dude, fired. He he looks like a. He looks like he hasn't showered in two weeks. He's fucking deranged. He looks like he escaped <laughs> from a mental institution. He's grinding his teeth and he's bugging out his eyes. And he's just like, "I'm gonna sing a song." Yeah. Just that. Wobbly. I saw him a
2: couple years ago, and let me tell you, the years have not been easy on Neil. You see every years. every
1: year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I. It's just. I don't know. It's like yeah you know respect to the to the four fathers of the rock and roll movement but uh, i think
2: the harmonica part in his song is great i like i like mm. neil young's performance i i think i i i I it's (laughs) one of my i that's the era of neil young that i'm actually interested in is that song pretty much anything after that he Mm. loses it Mm. It, for me like all of the stuff that he's recorded kind of since then when he becomes a little bit more of a political rocker and the you know it never did it for me yeah. it's it's that era that song particularly i don't know and, and i guess that if it depends on how you look at it too because that song i look at it it's it's a folk song more than it's a rock and roll song yeah and
0: so i feel ya yeah.
2: But I, I strongly disagree. I thought. New I also
0: good. disagree, Jeff, strongly. with Van Morrison because I, yeah, I like I like I Van fucking love that. performance. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Your oh. radio. Maybe it's a... he
2: was about to he was about to have a heart attack. That's why yeah. he ran off yeah. the yeah. stage. <laughs> he ran off stage because he had to piss.
1: Maybe it's maybe it's a year of sobriety that I just look at that guy. And I'm like, yo, get uh, this fucking bum nah, off the stage.
2: Nah. <laughs> I, well, but but at the uh, same, once again, he was a ball of fire. Though I mean yeah. that he yeah. really. That where I was just saying Bob Dylan, mm. underwhelming to me. I was actually pretty impressed with mm. Van Morrison. I mean, and yeah, I, uh, if I'm gonna have to listen to somebody scat and unsyncopate <laughs> un- their limit, lyrics, limit, I guess that I'd rather listen to the guy that's singing from his gut than singing yeah. from his big ass schnoz. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, because I mean, I, I I enjoy I enjoyed Van Morrison's thing. I yeah. mean, I, I too, anybody I that walks off stage like that. I'm not into that I saw yeah. that and I was like yeah that's a kind of because <laughs> even all the, the ba- all, the,
1: all the band members look at him like alright dude I he definitely maybe he, <laughs> he had to go
0: to the bathroom or something <laughs> yeah for yeah. not to go to the bathroom no he no. needed, he, needed <laughs> he had to hit the yeah <laughs> that's what I mean he needed a little bump
1: a little, a little quick pick me up Um. alright let's go on let's talk about some of our favorite non-performance moments so like some of the backstage the interview type things the um, you know talk with Martin Scorsese Uh, all that kind of stuff any any things stick out to you guys i have one i can i can lead on this one yeah um i really enjoy when he when scorsese visits rick danko at shangri-la and rick danko is like and he says well what are you doing now and he's working on his solo music yeah and he just puts it over the speakers and he like and danko puts his hat on and he just like nods down at the ground and listens to his, the new mix of like his only solo album that came out. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a cool heartfelt moment.
2: I felt it as sad. I thought that was a sad moment. Well, it was because, sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he was, well, and I mean, so to, to bring up part, I guess this is a overtone for me after watching it and listening yeah. to it is seeing the control that Robbie Robertson exerted on yeah. the whole project as opposed to the rest of them, because you know Robbie Robertson probably you know th- it was he, he was the one that wanted to get off the road. Those other guys really, in a lot of cases, didn't yeah. know what they were going to do. Yeah, they, and all they knew was the road. All we yeah. know is the road. All, and so yeah. that moment with him putting his hat on and looking down, I mm. f- that was a very sad moment because mm. you know, and it's it. it I, I once again, it's an overtone of watching the whole thing for me. Robbie Robertson's influence on it, and even hearing Levon Helms' disagreements with mm-hmm. how Robbie Robertson ran the show and saying that he didn't get properly compensated for yeah. it and that they never did. But there's also a point of Robbie Robertson is, I would I would say is mostly the principal songwriter of the band. I mean, I know they all are musical contributors, but when you're talking about most of yeah. the lyrical content, I really do think that a lot of the stuff yeah, I would is, say
0: in terms of songwriting, it's probably Robbie Robertson, Levon Helm, and then you get into the other the other, other members. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel
2: that that definitely.
1: But that's why I like it because it is like it's a wild party, and I like how a lot of the interview stuff it's like a huge applause and then it's immediate silence, and then like them talking in hushed yeah. tones about reality of life and stuff. Um, so yeah, I I just like that moment because of its sadness and because of its poignancy and like knowing what the band was going to go on to become, which was like a bunch of dudes who drifted apart from each other and tried to do reunion stuff, and like people died of various reasons and young and blah, blah, it's blah. It's very
2: sad, but yeah. the, the life on... I mean, he has a... Robbie Robertson definitely continually throughout it, and when they edited it, they kind of focused on Robbie Robertson's very fatal view of it. It's a definite yeah. different take yeah. on the road than a lot of earlier... Documentaries, usually all of your early music documentaries are glorifying it. They're right, kind of giving right. They're romanticizing it. A send- it. Exactly. There's yeah. no, all of the interview stuff kind of takes the romanticization yeah. of yeah. tour life out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. Just, I'm
1: saving my funny stuff for later. Same here. Yeah. I have, I, there are definitely some <laughs> funny
2: interview things, but. Um,
0: yeah. I liked uh, when. Uh, who is it? Uh, Rick Denko and Richard Manuel are talking about how, like, they were able to survive and how to eat. And they're talking about, like, shoplifting loads of bread. <laughs> yeah. And Rick Denko's like, yeah, no, I didn't get the... He's like, I didn't get the bread. I got the cigarettes. Remember, I tipped the cigarette machine over and, and got the cigarettes out. He's like, you got me some baloney," And Richard <laughs> Manuel's just sitting there, like, looking like he's going to just fucking
1: gnaw his own teeth after, down like after, grind after his teeth definitely down. six About, bottles of grand marnier yeah and oh he God. definitely was rails, the one who, you know
2: just like he <sighs> was definitely the one who the road had hit the hardest you could yeah. tell because he was young yeah. too in those like i
1: i yeah they're all mid-30s 32, 30s, 32 yeah.
2: 33 years yeah. old he's one of the younger guys um
0: yeah it,
1: that's it, a f- that i like that moment it's it, funny but also reality slash sad right right like, yeah
0: these dudes You'd go, you'd like we'd go in with a trench coat and you know uh, put put a couple loaves of bread underneath it and button it up and just walk out of the you know, yeah, like yeah. it's it is it's it's the sad reality, man, yeah. of just being a broke band yeah. on the fucking road, you know.
3: Yeah.
0: My favorite moment yeah. is a funny
2: moment, but sure. I actually, as far as serious moments, I do really like how they lead the movie with the pool game. Mm. I yeah. think that that's a really good moment too, and mm. there's some really good interplay between there's good dialogue between them but i guess once again it really does show a group of people that really had i mean and that band just spent so much time together and they really put they put all of everything in their personal lives aside to be in that band for a long time and yeah. him talking about you know eight years in bars and dives and then yeah. eight years and concert halls and stadiums and yeah. stuff i mean that is a long time um Mm. But
1: especially starting at 16 years old is when yeah. they started.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look, I, I think that there's a band documentary. It was on Netflix. I yeah, want to say Yeah, I've seen reason. it, but yeah. it uh, it was it's really cool to watch too because uh, yeah, you see Levon, you like such a young Levon Helm in that. You're like, whoa, he's a, he's like a little boy like behind it, the drum set, you know. But then just, you realize why he's so good. It's yeah. just
2: funny and not to tangent at all. But when you do watch band documentaries not the band but any sure. band documentaries <laughs> that you watch like you can watch a parliament funkadelic documentary from the people that represent <laughs> the other members of yes. parliament Funkadelic, and you yeah. get one side of the story and then you watch something that is george clinton's side mm-hmm. of the story and you'll get a completely different documentary right. i felt the same thing where the last waltz mm-hmm. is Robbie Robertson's <laughs> right. version yeah. right. of what happened with the band, with right. him set as the main character, right. being the being the focus of the camera the whole night, being the focus of mm-hmm. everything. And I don't know. I guess I can I can kind of see how the other guys would. Be would be offended by some of that when you look at it in post-production. I mean, because yeah. it's really, he, they really concentrate on him. Was
1: he only like, chosen because he looks like Harvey Keitel's stunt double? <laughs> because that's like, he straight up looks identical to Harvey Keitel in Mean Streets. And he went on to be, work with Scorsese. He's still like Scorsese's music coordinator yeah, and yeah. stuff for his movies.
0: But you can tell, I think you can really see hit, like you get you get like sort of like a little open window view into Robbie Robertson it's it more towards the beginning of the the film where scorsese is interviewing him and scorsese asks him a question and robbie robertson's just like oh, no, no ask me that again yeah yeah you know like there's there's I like kind of that there's like leaving. those that interplay yeah. where you see like oh no like yeah clearly robbie robertson has like a vision for and what I he wants look good, it to be and, and i want to look good as well and yeah. i love the fact that martin scorsese left that in
1: and he, he leaves in all those kind of moments. Right, that he's walking with Rick Denko. He's like, let's start this one again. And then you yeah. start walking down the hall again. Yeah. And you're like, what?
0: Yeah, what a.
2: What a <laughs> you want to talk about picking a good long game. for, for Martin Scorsese he had no shortage of projects at the time either. Yeah. He could have been doing a whole. He could have been on vacation. He yeah. could have been at home on Thanksgiving. Yeah. He knew where yeah. to be for history to happen. And I mean, it really is. Mm. Once again, um, I don't think we've brought it up yet. And I don't know if it's. Of someone else's thing to talk about, but the use of thirty-five millimeter cameras—it's the first mm. time that they actually used Hollywood quality production mm. equipment to film a documentary. There's nothing, nothing like it with the quality and you know the 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 choreography of the lighting, mm. the 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 planning that is put into the production. You yeah. know, Martin Scorsese definitely knew that he was. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny how they he he really did it to because he liked a lot of the musicians. That, yeah. The, that Robbie Robertson, he was like, "Oh, great! I'm going to get to film Van Morrison. Absolutely, yeah. I love I love him musically." So he kind of did it as a ticket in, and then realized, "Oh, this is a big thing," and really mm. ran with it. And I mean, and we haven't said the other name yet. Bill Graham. Bill Graham put on the. The uh, put on the guy who owned Winterland was the actual production end of it. You know, the changing chandeliers out in the place (laughs) for the thing, (laughs) the backdrop, the the product, the the setting the stage up to accommodate what they needed to do, and then they filmed the other songs on a sound stage. Yeah, which is a whole another thing. Which I really like those songs too. The couple that are on the couple that are on the video, and then listening Mm -hmm. to the album. Like there's. A bunch of stuff that's filmed at the sound stage there, and yeah, it's really well. And you get a lot of the stuff that's done with other instruments. The actual last waltz, um,
1: the overture yeah, the, the thing, the overture
2: yeah. thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of our. Do we have any favorite quotes? So any like specific oh, I do. things? I do. Why I start with? That? I have a, I have a couple that I wrote down.
0: One of my favorite things <laughs> is, um, it goes into you know, one of the interview things and it's uh Rick Danko, Richard Manuel and Robbie Robertson. And they play the song old time religion. Oh yeah. And they kind of like kind of squeak through it. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a rough thing to listen to. It's, it's, it's really good because it's like so raw and genuine and all that. And I love that aspect of it. I even Mm -hmm. love the fact that Rick Danko kind of haphazardly like squeaks through all the violin work, you know, but it gives it this sort of feeling this vibe to it that sounds so genuine but I love when they squeak through the ending, and then Robbie Robertson's just like, It's not like it used to be. <laughs> and he just chuckles. <laughs> and I'm just like, Yes, it's like, it's such a real moment where you're like, Yeah, man, you are all just so.
1: Well, and that's what they started you know, with. It was like bluesy, bluegrass type yeah. of country rock stuff with Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks. And- yeah. And so I'm sure they played a lot more of that kind of stuff. And then they went into, like, full, like, funky 70s clavinet and electric guitars and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, So I just – it's not like it used to be.
1: And he just laughs. So good. Um, I have a couple. I I like when – it's a Ronnie Hawkins quote that Robbie Robertson gives where he says that when he joined up with Ronnie Hawkins – um, Ronnie Hawkins told him well son you won't make much money but you'll get more pussy than Frank Sinatra yeah. <laughs> and I just thought well but 10 minutes earlier he talked about how they spent 8 years getting like bottles thrown at them at bars yeah. like yeah. is it worth it yeah. I don't know um, and I, I also like when uh, they're talking about the, the when Garth Hudson joined the band and they had to pay him $10 a week so that he could tell his parents he was a music teacher still <laughs> and then Garth Hudson um, explaining how he talked to his parents about how he's in a band and he um, he never moves his mouth when he talks he goes there's a view that uh jazz is evil made by evil people (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yes that's so funny have a have a bunch of my f- I, yeah. I could go on the quotes, yeah. but I mean I, the
2: the the moment of it's not it's not so much a quote as an embellishment of the line where the yodeling part of oh, yeah. Cripple Creek where I wish I could yodeled. <laughs> he turns it into this like two line yeah. thing that is just right yeah. on time. Yeah, and yeah. Once again, shout out to shout out to Levon Helm. He's he, he he actually is not on any of my specific lists mm. for any of these things because I mean I don't know I guess I maybe I'm taking them for granted but really um the solid all night long mm. and boy let me tell you like singing and playing at the, singing and playing drums at the same time is always something I've admired but he really was the he was the best at it mm. like really like one of the best yeah. ever and I guess that was another <laughs> thing to, to say too is noticing um a lot of other bands when you have singing drummers usually you'll have you have a band that'll have two drummers or something or a big stage setup like that. Like the you know, there's not really two guitars other than when they bring people in. Like it's a very to have the two two piano players or mm. an organ player and a piano player as yeah. the dynamic. I guess maybe another thing that I took away going back and watching is the band the mm. band's dynamic and why they are successful. And I mean, they really are all really good at what they mm. do.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Another funny quote was Richard Manuel when uh, they're talking about starting off and he talks about like, yeah, and then we hit the 60s and it was that psychedelia era. And he said... Chocolate Subway, marshmallow overcoat, those yeah, kind of names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. What? <laughs> and Marshallow in that, let's
0: overcoat. let's remember the two other names yeah. that yeah. were in the running for the band were the Crackers and the Honkies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, and then we just decided to just people, call ourselves People
1: felt strong about that. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> pushed back because <laughs> it was a little too and He could barely talk or whatever. Or whatever. all of yeah, his yeah, interviews, yeah. like but when he breaks, and he say? goes. Oh, he, bam. He, yes, I he was just like... about to say
2: he looks like he looks like if Jim Henson, like he's a he's like the the Jim Henson on crack cocaine. Like that's the, like the, that's think about it. And, yeah. then, and I said that before. I said that in a text message yeah. earlier in the night, and then I watched Eric Clapton come out, and I was like, he kind of looks like Jim Henson too. Seventies. So, uh, <laughs> they all Crapton kind of it. look like.
1: Um, how about some other funny moments so like a grab bag of any anything else that's funny
2: oh well now we can talk the 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 thing that you were saying about um, garth hudson's really i mean he has a couple interview moments <laughs> during the other interviews where he pipes in yeah but the only time that they i think they knew they were like listen we're going to let Garth talk for about 30 seconds of this whole thing <laughs> yeah. because it's not going to work out good. And it's all edited together. You could see it spliced. It's like right. he you could tell that it was a 25-minute run-on sentence that they grabbed the 45 seconds of right. best things, spliced yeah. it all together. And, yeah, he, they, they –
1: <laughs> that dressed he, like an old prospector. Just, just he just like, talks like this the whole time. So yeah. he probably talks. I guess that life minutes. of living
2: on the road was getting kind of old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, and that yeah. is a thing. I mean, Rick Danko didn't really look all that rough. It looked like he kind. Of, it looked like him and Robbie Robertson mm-hmm. and Levon Helm knew how to take care of themselves because Levon mm-hmm. Helm looks like he could go out and you know bail hay after doing that show he's a little sweaty (laughs) he could change into overalls and go run a combine or (laughs) i mean he worked on an oil rig that's they pulled him back off he he joined that band and then when it financially went down he became an oil rig worker and they had to go find him to bring him back to do I think it was yeah. You know, I can't
0: it, remember his replacement, but yeah, it's when they were touring with Dylan for a hot minute. Exactly. And bon Helm wasn't. They, uh, he didn't world. go
2: to London the second time they came home or something like that. Right. Right. He went and got a job because it didn't work out. He didn't want to be. Mm. That's yeah. that's a whole different story. That's early bands. The, mm. But yeah, he, he it's a. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I like uh, as an over, oh, like a, the entire movie. It's funny to me because. It's very focused on Robbie Robertson as the leader of the band, and it's framed and like it's shot like he's the lead singer too, and his mic is off the entire night. Yes, and I yes. I I love anybody in a band who's playing their shit and isn't singing but is mouthing around long words because I think it helps with audience connection and stuff. But there's so many close zoom ins on him like as if he's singing the entire chorus. And it's like, yeah. yeah, this dude, you, he's not even his mic's not even on. This is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> But he just looks cool, so like yeah, it's like yeah. keep him on camera. Um, and I like when he's talking to Mars Scorsese, and he catches a fly midair. Yeah, with right. Like this karate move, <laughs> just like one of those like Coke instincts type of thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah they are all out of their minds, man. Yeah.
1: The whole time. Do you guys like or laugh at the um, old English Canterbury Tales poem? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's talking, and I'm thinking. Yo, if you're on what these people are on in the audience, you're staring up at this dude like he is speaking in tongues of the devil, <laughs> like, like broken English, old timey stuff. Well, that was yeah. after
2: ballroom dancing. See, so <laughs> yeah. chronologically through the night, they yeah. had the they had turkey dinner and ballroom dancing, and then the poetry. Which, there were nine poets too, oh. so it, you probably yeah. are talking about an hour and twenty minutes yeah. of spoken word poetry before a four and a half five hour yeah concert journey
0: the cocaine was needed i think is what you're hinting at or the the, the, <laughs> hip, it's, the not hippie you...
1: preacher our father who aren't in heaven yeah right and then you right. hear like four stone people like <laughs> in the back <laughs> and like, oh it's one thing that i, had happi- <laughs> I, I noticed one thing it's in so rewatching
2: good. it that i had happily forgotten about <laughs> which is the beanbag ashtray robbie robertson has you guys robbie robertson is sitting in the background and he has this old-fashioned it's an ashtray that the bottom of it's a oh, bean bag oh, so you can put it anywhere and I was like oh my god I had happily forgotten about I'm just trying to forget about 1970s yes uh, there's several things from yeah. the 70s and 80s in yeah. my childhood that need to go and ashtrays in yeah. every room is one of them that is happily long gone
0: I have a yeah. 70s ashtray right there yeah but we're not in your bedroom right? <laughs> and, so that's and we're not we're, chain that, smoking Paul malls exactly. yeah yeah there's there's a bundle of sage on it I guess absolutely. So there you go um, yeah it, it's
1: There's a lot of, I mean, pretty much anything Richard Manuel says is unintended comedy because he's just, you know, an addict lunatic at this point and... He's just like staring and gritting his teeth and like bugging out and doing yeah. this like shudder and. Like,
2: oh, kind of glad you don't know what his teeth look like. Gritting so hard, yeah. Because I mean, I, I don't know that. And I guess once again, kind of sad because, yeah. look, going back to the same point where you kind of watch Robbie Robertson, who looks like he, you know, I'm definitely sure he was a partier, and I, well, I mean, mm-hmm. he was definitely a partier, but he definitely had his thing together better Mm. than the other guys did yeah right he definitely had his outlook and a plan and i guess i guess that's sad you have you have one guy that has Mm. a different vision than everybody and it kind of brings it but at the end of the day i guess knowing your own health and your own sanity is just as important yeah you know as being successful they were already successful he knew he was set up for life especially pulling that thing off i mean he he took the most away from the last one especially talking about the career and movie scoring that he moved into Mm -hmm. with scorsese you know i think that that's a big takeaway from it is that he he definitely made the most off of it in so many ways
0: yeah and i think that's that's probably why when I watch this movie, I have a little bit of like, yeah, fuck this guy kind of thing about watching Robbie Robertson. You can't deny, obviously, like his impact and his talent and all of that stuff. Of course, I can separate the art from the artist in that regard. But but just knowing the kind of person that he was and kind of how he fucked over Levon on man. And if we're talking about like favorite moments of the film, there is one mo- there's there's one pretty cringy moment. When they're all sitting in a room together and they're all talking about, like, you know, all the girls they were getting and all that stuff. And there's there's a moment at the end of that interview when they're all just kind of like, you know, kind of like locker room talk, if you want to yeah. call it that. Yeah. Uh Where you get a you get a feel for Levon Helm's character because he's like, oh, we're talking about this now, and like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, and he's just like, can I just and he like leans his chair back. He's like, can I just pan out of this (laughs) scene or something like that? And you're like, oh, he's just such a good Southern boy, you know. Like he's like, no, we respect women. We don't talk about that kind of stuff, you know. And like that to me makes Levon Helm so lovable, too, because he's like, I don't want to talk about this stuff. Like, yeah, he seems... Although he does. There's a moment where they talk about New York, and he's like, yeah, you know, you come back, and you just get, you know, you experience it the first time, and, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. So he alludes to stuff, but he doesn't blatantly yeah. say stuff in the way that some of the other members are blatantly just like, boobs, you know, like, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, musically, too, he was definitely the
2: connection to the... You know when you're looking at the band's music, he's the connection to the roots music,
0: right? You know, right. They he were more of a
2: rockabilly and you know, rock and roll country. I, I guess that that's another cool thing talking about quotes and everything is <laughs> listening to um, them talk about the early dances that inspired Elvis and stuff like mm. that. There's that moment there, too. And you know, the band definitely is a cultural bridge. There's several bands in history, but they're another culture bridge from music that didn't get its due in its time frame they didn't copy it like some other bands grateful Dead did um but they kind of created their own thing right Right, and out of it with it as the backdrop like and you know we already did best performance but i mean the uh, the best um best symphonic performance is definitely um night they drove old dixie down like yeah. the tuba in the background Oh, man. so good so good like there's yeah. de- definitely you know there's some great there's some yeah. great americana in the band and you know a bunch of canadian bunch of Can- only one they american in the band yeah. <laughs> one
0: american in the band but they really are an americana mo- you know yeah i think that like when you look at maybe sort of like the the state of country today. They're in the con they have to be in the conversation for the evolution of like country sure. in terms of introducing rock and roll. Another band that comes to mind, like the Allman Brothers. These are bands that yeah. like really kind of created an atmosphere for country to go more to lean more like Marshall Tucker band, mm-hmm. uh Leonard Skinner, but then also kind of like veer back into Something a little bit more country, folky. Like they, they walked that nice sort of line, like that incorporated everything that I think was a huge influence on how we listen to, you know, more contemporary artists that sit inside the sort of country rock thing. Sure, you know, you know, because it's it's blues, but it's country, but it's yeah, Americana, but space. it's folk. But they it's... created a space for everything, and and yeah. they,
2: I guess, too, were probably. Of all, maybe they may be one of the. Okay, they're huge, and we all know their music. But I don't feel like they're. They don't. Maybe they don't get as much respect as they should. As yeah, they're the, one of those bands that's like, if you yeah. know, you know. If you but know, they, you know. But like, but they don't the really The Almond get Brothers enough. too. The Almond Brothers are 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 great. But like, there's so much to our cultural makeup that we owe musically to our cultural makeup at this point yeah in music and country rock and looking at where you 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 put country rock out there like country rock is kind of the only rock right now there's yeah. if mm-hmm. unless you're looking for something in one of the many pigeonholes of the popular mm-hmm. rock music genre country rock's the only thing on the radio like yeah. there's no everything else on the radio right now is produced music Mm. Po- popular music it's studio built music there's no bands playing anything right right you know?
1: there's a re i think there's a reason beyond the fact that they played with bob dylan and so like they were just called the band be- meaning his backup band but it's a fitting name for this group because they were such chameleons and they could play country bluegrass folk so rock yeah. rockabilly blues yeah i it's think like-
0: the only band that kind of stands up to maybe that sort of a uh, place is maybe the heartbreakers like tom petty because the heartbreakers kind of became the backing band for and they were like almost the, everyone like any like yeah. solo artist that needed a backing band the heartbreakers kind of became that they're like the so, next decades version of right and that's that. yeah that's what i mean like that's that's where it, the when i watched the band it, that's what it reminds me of it's like oh they're like the first one that's just like they're just the backing band like they if you also, need some if you need a collection yeah. of musicians to back you they're the first phone call you make. You're like, yeah, I'll just get the band. It's and I think deal. Tom Petty got the rest of his career
2: based off of what Bob Dylan was wearing that night. That's what I saw. So <laughs>
0: if, if you look at
2: the next... But yeah. Very ghoulish, man. Yeah. Tom Petty is yeah. the next 20 years of yeah. that version of Bob Dylan right Yeah, there. yeah. Definitely. Right. <laughs> and a,
1: a thing that sets the band apart, though, too, because other than like Fleetwood Mac, that they're the only other band that has three singers. Yeah, it's like the Beatles, Fleetwood Mac, and the Band are the only ones in popular music that had like three distinct lead singers on on hits.
0: Yeah, because I'm trying to think of other bands. I mean, you had the Eagles, but that was really mainly yeah. that was
1: two dudes, Two, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, they all sang technically, but not not right. not taking a prominent vocal, <laughs> not, load, not lead vocalist. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, all respect to the band. Yeah, yeah,
0: the Band. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed our ads. We are here celebrating the last waltz from
1: the band. Um, Let's talk. So we're going to go over our favorites. So like, who was your favorite guest in the film? Non-band member. If you could tell, name one Only choose one and, like, give a short reason why. Who would that be?
2: You want to take this, Roy? Muddy Waters. Just say it again. Um, Once again, being the old man in the room, Mm -hmm. probably being 15 Mm -hmm. to 20 years older than everybody there. And um, really, you want to talk about every person that is on that stage owes that guy Mm -hmm. their careers. That's the cool thing about rock and roll, too. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely he he paved the way for everybody there.
1: Jeff I am going to stick with Ronnie Hawkins. I just yeah. liked his vibe, I liked his his attitude, I liked his stage presence, I liked um just everything about him and he's a dude who like no one really knows and he made a big impact that night and it's a really rocking song that uh yeah, he's my choice. I was going to go with a choice from the, like, we didn't talk too much about the soundstage performances, but I, I feel like that's a separate thing. It's part of the movie, yes, but I want to stick to, like, the live concert thing.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause Perso- my, personally. My selection will go from the soundstage thing. Yeah, I love the Staples singers, uh, see, man. see that? That's oh, who I was going to I mean, yeah. Mavis, dude. Mavis Staples, incredible. Hi-ya, hi-ya. Pop staples Look. too, where it's just so, so
1: like. A singing, yeah, singing. it's
0: I love yeah. it so much, yeah. and even when Rick Danko's like Crazy Chester followed me, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> me in the fog, and he's Chester. like and he's like warbling his elbows all crazy and singing with like this old yeah. like banker's fucking <laughs> crazy Chester, Crazy Chester followed me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was gonna be my choice, staple yeah. singers. Cause... But Mavis,
0: also real quick as yeah. a sidebar, shout out to Dan from Mystic Disc because the last time I went to Mystic Disc uh there was you know just we Jade and I went in there and I bought a Staple Singers like a like a reissue of like all the gospel stuff and he goes Mavis is the best sorry Aretha but Mavis oh, is the best man. and I was like
1: oh yeah. here we go shots fired man. shots fired she's great at what she does but she kind of only does one thing
0: yeah but it. yeah so the Staple Singers is probably like you know like I yeah. said I mean we talked about it it's it's yeah, the yeah, soundstage yeah. performance but it's still part of the film so I'm going yeah, to I'm going to I'm going to go with that I'm going to yeah. go with that for my selection as favorite okay how about,
1: how about um Favorite band member. So you get to choose one of the five Can I Robbie, take this one first? Robbie, Levon, Rick, Richard, or Garth. Levon Helm. Yep. All day.
0: Yeah. All day, every day, over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. He is the heartbeat of the band. He is the authenticity of the band. He lives what his songs sing about. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a song like The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, let's be honest, that's from the perspective of, like, the brother of a fallen Confederate war veteran, like, <laughs> person. And it in in this sort of day and age, like, you know, like, that that could be kind of like one of those songs where you kind of, like, look back and you rethink it and stuff like that. The reason why I think the song is so striking is because it it almost gives you the feeling that it's just, like... Was the Confederacy bad? A hundred percent. Was slavery wrong? A hundred percent. But there were still good people who lived. No, there was oh, a where's our whistle?
1: We're getting into dangerous territory. Oh, well, no, no, no that that there was a saying. perspective, though. He's
0: It's a historical
2: record. It's yeah. that right, song. Right. That song is a historical yeah. record of That's people's what I mean. thoughts, That's and what it's I mean. very. I mean, you can't yeah, pray. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a Confederate, <laughs> a Confederate sympathizer here, or whatever you yeah, want to call it. But I'm just saying, in the sense of just
0: like, yo, man, sometimes good people get caught up in the wrong shit. And let's be real, like, the family that he's probably talking about was probably just, just, like, fucking broke people who just, like, worked the land themselves and working on the, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, so it's, it's, I think it's from the perspective of, like, a working class, lower class, southern family that's just kind of, like, this thing that's happening that's so much bigger than us is happening. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, my brother died. And, you know, so it's, like, it's just... It's an interesting perspective, an interesting sort of like view into that sort of southern world that maybe us being like Yankees, right, don't don't really know or don't yeah. really understand. So it's it's a striking song, is what I'm saying. And like, you know, I don't from a historical <laughs> <like I said, laughs> from, well, from a historical purpose. I completely right. agree with you. Right, right. That's what I mean. I'm it not, also it's, d- it's dangerous waters. I'm I'm, I'm here, treading I, here, I, here I, but I, you know, I don't think so. I
2: don't. It's a it's it's history. It's a yeah. historical record. And what they did was they. I mean music should be music should be a way for you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes right. and that song puts you right into a perspective that you're never going to view because we weren't alive back then and right. especially talking about three kids from New England like we're, we're never going to view right. that situation from that but we'll feel it every time we listen to that yeah. song and it's you know, it, it it's something that happened yeah. in our and I, past, and it's.
1: And I think the larger point is, he was a guy in the band who was able to use it, to take on the authenticity of the Southern American style, right? Because they,
0: because four dudes from were, Canada can't really can play they really southern give you, yeah. cu- country tinge yeah. rock and so roll? So he yeah. he was the authentic right, right. part of the band, and uh, yeah, so Levon Helm, my favorite member of the band sure. for sure.
1: Do you have a favorite? I mean,
2: I, I really like Rick Danko. Yeah, for I mean. Just in in the, mm-hmm. as far as what I know about his end of the composition of the songs, too. Mm-hmm. You know, great bass player. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of fluff involved mm-hmm. in what was going on in the yep. movie, and there's a lot of overtracking and stuff, but, you know. He re- still did the overtracking, so it's and, still... And yeah, playing, it's all good. So, it's right. all really good stuff. It's really good, solid stuff. He really has to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. go outside the box, especially on that Coyote song. I mean, there is some cool, there's some cool stuff that he does in it, yeah. and I'm... You know, I and mean, he's playing a Gibson. I know some people around here are Gibson guys, dude, but. Gibson was, Ripper, uh, and the
1: Ampeg Scroll fretless. Oh, not then, my, not my thing. But it's then a then on very the Overture, he's thing. playing the the. I think the it's, upper, it's the Gibson up, yeah, it's, with the long, long, peg. long foot, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, um, yeah. yeah. It, really, I, and I mean, as far as their music goes, too, he is definitely great bass player. I mean, mm-hmm. great, great, great musically contributing. Yeah bass player and that's the other thing too I know we're getting towards the crescendo of this year just in general talking about five musicians that really knew how to work together Mm. to achieve do your part to achieve the whole thing and and to be locked in the whole time. I mean, that whole show is Levon. I mean, I don't think during the whole concert performances anybody else jump on drums other than Ringo at the end. Uh, Richard Manuel, but that's but that's on that's in the soundstage. Stage, right? Yeah. I, the so I, I that's a long show to be sitting there and playing drums, and Ringo didn't show up in the middle yeah. of that performance yeah. either. He showed yeah. up at the end. Yeah. yeah.
1: So my my choice. I was gonna go with Levon because I feel like he's the strongest through the night because he does so much lead singing and drums all the time. But I'm going to go with my heart, and that is Garth Hudson. Oh, because I love Garth. he is barely on screen during any of the performances, and if you really listen to what's going on in the band's music, there's so much layers of organ and keyboards that fill out the sound completely, and it's like he's back there like a madman. He has so many keyboards. His, his role in synth that's like in between the giant organ and an electric piano. The, it's, Straight it's ways. same diagonal because it's just like stacked on this teetering tower of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so he's always in my mind in, in the recorded music, been the unsung hero, but especially because like he, his faces have been shown when his name is under, <laughs> like he is, he's in the shadows the whole night. He, he says only like three things on camera. He does a sax solo in the foreground, but the rest of the night, He's just like taking up Sonic space and doing so much. Um,
2: that sax solo, I know I yeah. said it earlier, it's is so still good, probably right. the best thing in that yeah, whole it's movie. So it's, it's so
1: yeah. good. Our next category that we're going to talk <laughs> about are some of our favorite outfits of the night. Um, we've already discussed how the, the palette seemed to be burgundy or brown or red, pretty much every outfit. Um, but what are some of your favorite outfits?
2: Hands down, Richard Manuel's checkered
1: suit. Oh, when that comes but on, man, it's crazy. It's the, it, it, it just <laughs> as, <laughs>
2: as bizarre as he looks without the suit, and he he does not he does not take the jacket off no. all night long. Yeah. Like he's oh. so, it must have been so sweaty. It had to have been and so sweaty. And you have to imagine it's probably wool. It's yeah. probably that's probably <laughs> yeah, a right. wool suit. And it's a and, yeah.
1: it's a yellow with green, yeah. red, and blue oh, plaid. It's, it's as crazy. wild
2: as. Like thrift store mega yeah. find, let yeah. me tell you. Yeah. If you could find that suit today, boy, Uh-oh. let me tell you.
1: Hold on yonder. And it's great too because because it's like a zoom in with him in a spotlight, so you see like the lapel get revealed, and then more and more, you're like, oh, good god. Yeah. And then on the next song, you see the pants match too, and you're like, oh, jeez. Yeah.
2: Hands that hands down, hands down yeah, for, that and then crazy. and then Clapton's coat is pretty dope. I would rock Clapton's. coat. Oh, the, the crushed
1: velvet jacket yeah. with jeans. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. I would.
2: Cla- Clapton had some. We, he, I feel like maybe he hasn't gotten enough attention in this podcast either. We yeah. haven't picked on Clapton yet. Yeah, <laughs> but go yeah. ahead. That's, That's my a, picks.
1: That good choices. And looking very Clapton, like yeah. his how he looks in all of his like seventies greatest hits with the beard and the coiffed up like hair yeah. and. Um and yeah, to sidebar talk about Clapton for ten seconds. That's a great song because I love the guitar back and forth between him and Robbie Robertson. Yeah, really yeah, good. Really, really cool. good. And it shows off the different styles where it's like crazy fast fingers, Clapton, and then like just feeling Robbie With Robertson.
0: Robbie Robertson, yeah. yeah. I I've in, in that performance, just to touch on that with you, um I like Rob and I'm a Clapton fan. This is not new news to anybody. Like I'm a huge Clapton fan. But I almost prefer Robbie Robertson's soloing over Clapton's soloing. Mm. Just in, 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 in that the exchange, moment, I felt the same. it's more how because, I play. Yeah. Because <laughs> with Clapton, it almost, it, <laughs> Clapton, it almost kind of looks like he's just kind of like, just recycling and regurgitating like, just what he does. Where, and you get that with Robbie Robertson. I mean, the guy Robbie Robertson had to play for four hours. Like, inevitably, some solos are going to sound like other solos. There's no doubt about it. But I think stylistically. Clapton's not playing like cream Clapton. Clapton's playing much more like you have you have slow hand right now. You don't have Sure. You know what I'm saying? You don't have uh like Blues Breakers, Clapton, you know, so it's uh and he's playing I think he's playing Blackie, the black strat, and when it comes to like Clapton's strat playing, I much prefer prefer rather the Derek and the Domino's like uh brownie cl- uh fender strat vibe rather than like the blackie strat vibe. But either way, enough
1: time for Eric Clapton. Fuck that dude. <laughs> I
0: heard he drops things, anyways. <laughs>
1: um, some other outfits I like. I liked. Um, I mean, of course, the Doctor John with the black tuxedo with sequin roses all over it, oh, and great. giant sunglasses, a black beret, and like some big voodoo necklace. Yeah. Um, Such a nice. He looks how. He, oh, and a giant pink bow tie. That's yeah. Somebody that completely
2: yeah. looks like what they sound, like. Uh, dressed like what yeah, he sounds yeah. like. He crawled out of the bayou. <laughs> Just <Yes. laughs> he's the MC. Van Morrison it. looked nothing like what he sounds like. <laughs> oh, let's talk about Van Morrison. <laughs> Speaking to my favorite outfit of the night.
0: Oh, the purple unitard for oh. the win. I don't know if I said it on air earlier, but it's like, yeah, he looks like a ballet dancer meets a matador. It's like it's a purple
1: just... unitard over like a sweat, a sweat stained brown tank top. <laughs> it's so disgusting looking.
0: I love it so much. I love it so much. Uh, uh, no I buttons. I love it so much. No buttons. No buttons. Just a one more No, on time. no button. Just a <laughs> one more Oh, man.
1: Um, yeah. oh, oh, how about an, out- an outfit that's featured for maybe five seconds on the last song, when they do um or the last like big group song that's in the film, uh I shall be released, right? Is that yeah. song? and they say, Join us on stage, Ringo Starr and Ronnie Wood, and they pan over to Ronnie Wood, who's wearing a sweater oh, that is a light pink tux like pattern on the sweater. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. It's so funny. Yeah,
0: I I love how yeah, Ronnie Wood and Ringo are kinda of like the two odd men out yeah. in that moment. And Ringo's just like just looking like a sad clown. Oh, but right. I, I, I liked what I liked what Ringo did to that song though, because you get the uh,
2: you get the the Beatles break yeah. it all of the all yeah. of the fills sounded very
0: Beatles. Yeah. Which is I like it. Yeah, oh yeah, Ringo. I love I love Ringo. We've talked about
1: Um which which outfit is better? Let's put two head to head. Um Robbie Robertson's pinstripe suit with giant pink scarf like he's a Saturday Night Fever Coke dealer, <laughs> or or Bob Dylan with his white hat and his polka dot shirt and leather jacket. <laughs> I'm Looking okay. like he's going to Bermuda <laughs> to sell heroin or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I just flew in These on a single-engine field plane. Going to yes. is Poppy fields.
0: <laughs>
2: Oh, flew man. in on a sea, seaplane yes, Yeah uh, I'm gonna go Pick Dylan Pick Dylan yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna go Robbie Robertson I like, Roberts I like the Robbie Joni Robinson. Mitchell I like ne- how it's oh, so the, the necklace <laughs> was the best thing About her performance Oh Joni Her just necklace <laughs> Little eagle or something. The star of the Genius, show Yes Yeah Great uh, great outfits in this. Yeah I mean yeah, I, I, It's a, it's a real microcosm Of the fashion yeah. moment And you could just yeah. You could tell that everybody knew That like I better I better go all out Because yeah you know there's no fashion director you can tell all of these people dress themselves (laughs) and how about off (laughs) stage
1: off stage like we talked about the oil rigger straight up levon helms wearing a denim hat and a denim shirt and he has like patches all over it yeah it's probably his work uniform yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i really like the shirt that he he wore before he went the 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 blue shirt with the
2: with emblazoned stuff all over Yeah. yeah he did
1: great style yeah, he, so.
0: uh, he has the trucker hat where it's not like fully pulled down yeah. onto his head. It's just kind of like he just looks like he just sat it on top of his head yeah. and he, it sits so high up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Great outfits. Yeah. He's probably the easiest one to take seriously out of all of them, too.
2: The rest yeah. of them, the rest of them, you could tell, are kind of goofy and then yeah. they'll start talking to Leave on Helm and they're like, this guy will whoop your ass in a
3: bar.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's yeah. not
0: taking any shit. His hands are like vice grips yeah. from all yes. the farm work he's exactly. done. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the to the last moment, and if you're going to pick one, who's your movie MVP? You can, it can be anybody on screen, yep. off screen, related to the movie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Scorsese for the, on this mm. one as my MVP, just because, like, like kind of what uh, Roy said earlier in that way of him at least having the the wits about him to just kind of be like. Oh, this is a major musical moment, and I need to film this. you know And he, he I mean, the Scorsese music documentaries, in my mind, are probably the best ones, mm-hmm. if you think about it, because yeah. he did that. He did uh, the George Harrison documentary, mm-hmm. he did The Stones, he did Bob, Bob Dylan. Yeah. So he, you know, he got the budgets, too. That right right and that and, and people would give Scorsese.
2: says you put yeah. his name in the project right. you're allowing yeah. the project to be bigger than what it could have been with right, a smaller right. director so
0: and it's like i mean you know it, it, the the guy who direct you know the, the, the guy who was behind goodfellas is also doing these yeah. music documentaries so yeah. like obviously it's gonna be good yeah, there's no question um but yeah all the camera work all of that stuff like it's so so good and he's just the mastermind behind that and um yeah, so Scorsese's probably my my MVP for the show. Yeah, I'm
1: going to tag on with you cuz my my thoughts too. Um especially knowing that where this was at his at his, in his life, he had just made Taxi Driver, which was a huge success. It was like the most uh accomplished and acclaimed independent movie released up until that point. And then he filmed this concert and he spent the next fucking year and a half, 2 years work on editing what could have been 20 hours of footage from five different cameras and stuff because they've taped all the behind the scenes stuff they taped all that interview stuff um so a big orchestrator and like putting together a project like this and just and having the 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 sense to edit it down it's not even two hours it's an hour and 58 minutes or something yeah so it's like perfectly digestible all killer um yeah so he's my selection as well yeah. And
2: mine's an embellishment of everything that you both said because yeah. it's really um, the core. Whoever the unsung person that did the the boards for all of the lighting mm. and, co- and camera choreographers, because mm. really, like, it's fi- there isn't any other documentary that you see. Like, even, go watch "Song Remains the Same." It's not done no. to the same right. level of production and choreography, right. and really just to know, like to have the presence of mind to know the angles that you're hitting um like even think of in the soundstage stuff like when anytime that they start a song you'll see the person that starts the song and then they'll open up to the next person you hear and then open like think yeah. of the staple singer thing. Yeah. you don't right. even know the staple singers are there until, until she there. comes yeah. in in verse yeah. two yeah it pans her yeah. then it pans over to see the rest of pop staples and the rest of them there it, at the end of the day like yeah. that they really i don't think the movie is nearly as successful as it is with yeah. any other and and it really is it's a world-class camera crew like that that's those yeah. are the guys that really and you got to think too the camera crew it's like being a roadie like you're there b- these guys all hung out and
1: yeah
2: sat backstage and had beers and stuff like that while those guys were all working to get set up and understand their cues and everything so
1: yeah i think this movie had two editors i think there are five directors of a f- photography because michael chapman is listed as director of photography who did taxi driver and raging bull but then right after him in the credits are uh, additional director of photography additional director and it's like four yeah, everybody's there everybody that worked with like, score says everybody. he went and yeah. found
2: his, Teams. his te- and team and each camera
1: had like a team of six guys you know you have gaffers and guys swinging things yep. and yeah,
2: it's just so well done, and yeah. I mean that's what really separates that's what really yeah. separates apart. Like, watch any documentary from the time; like, it really does look like it's filmed in the eighties. Yeah, watch Rainbow Bridge or something like that. It's just yeah. not, it's right. not nearly. It looks as like good. found footage, and this is exactly. like stri- like you
1: said, choreographed to a T. And yeah, yeah, right so on. there, there you have it, man. There it is, the band, the band, uh, last
0: waltz. So we're not with Luke this week, but. Uh, We will, well, Jeffrey will be... I'm going to have
1: a one-on-one Peter Frost-style interview (laughs) with him. Get down to the bottom of his thoughts. You get to the bottom of his thoughts.
0: He'll probably give you his varying opinions on Bob Dylan and Neil Young oh, as well.
2: Joni Mitchell. Can't wait to hear those. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're gonna splice that Sorry, in somewhere Luke. here. Uh,
0: we do have a uh, an album to talk about. Oh, well, a song off of an album to talk about. But do you want to take one more quick break? Yeah, take a quick uh, break, and-, and then we'll come back and talk about that. Yeah. So this might be an ad, or this might be Luke and Jeff talking. I'm not quite sure yet, but we'll figure it out because it's all jazz, baby. <laughs>
1: I'm here with my one-on-one session with Luke, since we missed you yesterday. How are you doing, buddy?
4: I'm uh, fantastic.
1: Um, We are here to talk about your thoughts about Martin Scorsese's film, The Last Waltz, featuring the band and every other musical artist of the 1970s.
4: (laughs) Every other (laughs) (laughs) singer-songwriter.
1: So we're going to go through the categories like we did with Mike and Roy, and let's start off. uh, Some of your thoughts about some of your favorite performances, maybe... Uh, one that is just the band, and one that is featuring a special guest.
4: Uh, okay. So my favorite performance in this is um, Dr. John. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably more for personal reasons because I love Dr. John. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like how Dr. John is kind of like when he walks on the stage, he's almost like, I don't know what I'm really doing here. Which I think like a lot of people <laughs> kind of feel that way when they're performing in this movie.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, but. I think Dr. John comes on and he just like the way he plays piano Mm. is like so fitting with the band. The band backs him up so well in the song. Mm. Um, Such a night from um, uh, wrong place, right time album. Mm. Um, Anyway. So, um, but that tune I really, really love. And uh, I just love the way he delivers it and the way the band sings with him. And I just think it's pretty, pretty magical moment.
1: I I agree. I, I think out of all the guest performances, he might sing like, the best quote unquote. Cause he sounds the most like how his like studio stuff sounds. He sounds perfect on yeah, this performance. Absolutely. I mean, he's such a character. So like his voice is very, blah, 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 but it's like pitch perfect the whole time.
4: Yeah. And it's, it's the piano. Like I watched his like piano playing mm. too. And he's just, he's so funky with yeah. it. And it just like sinks right in close to the, um, mm-hmm. with, with the style of the band. And it, but he brings it out like, so uh like the new Orleans in them, mm. like so much and like shows that like portion of like they're playing which is great um but also yeah you're right like he like comes out there and it's not like it's him playing a song with the band it's like the band's just playing a song with him right right, right. it feels like it's very cohesive and yeah. like not forced at all so
1: yeah um, i agree um how about do you have a a favorite song that's just the band just the band um or a highlight one? Yeah. Okay. Let's. I
4: really, really like. Um. I. I think I like the shape I'm in, a okay, lot. Yeah. Um. I love that song because I'm a big Richard Manuel fan, yeah, and yeah. I feel like Richard Manuel in this movie. There's a <laughs> lot of Richard Manuel, and oh man, yeah, Richard Manuel's the movie really.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. But um, I think like that song being like a written for him and about mm. him, and like the band being on the road and mm. um. Like right before that is, I think the segment where they're talking about the band being on the road for 16 years and right. what that what that life is like. Um, but I just really love that tune. I like how it's like up tempo, mm-hmm. and I love there's a moment where Richard Manuel is before like he kicks in the vocal where he's looking at the rest of the band, and then he cues in to start singing, and he shifts his head and mm-hmm. like locks into singing, and it's one of my favorite moments mm-hmm. like in music. Like it's really weird to describe, but that's probably why it's my favorite performance in the movie. I don't even think it's the best played song in the movie or the best song, but just like those yeah. like little intricacies for me are like what I really love about like the band and Richard Manuel's probably my favorite member of,
3: oh
1: okay. the band. Gotcha. Uh, how about some of your least favorite m- moments, performance wise?
4: Uh I everybody thinks that the performance of "Helpless" in this movie is like some kind of like godsend, but I think it's some kind of like cocaine.
1: Oh, I agree. Goddamn nightmare! <laughs> I, I hate agree. it. Oh, I agree
4: so much. It's so long. Um, Joni Mitchell wasn't introduced yet, so she sings behind the stage, so she <laughs> yeah. can't see, see anybody. She's in the shadows. Yeah, so she's not getting anybody's like yeah physical cue, and yep. it fits in weird. Um, Neil Young is on so much cocaine <laughs> in this scene. Um, the digital edit right. has the nose drip out, but like there's so much like drip coming out of his nose in <laughs> yeah. the
1: like original edit of this film. Yeah, you couldn't edit it all out. <laughs> no. You can tell, and he's gritted his teeth. He's like staring out like a madman. He, I, I said to the other guys, I was like, "Fuck Neil Young." Like he, all respect to the songwriting and paving the way. It's a worse performance than I see at than like people outside of a gas station with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> like, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> I don't know. I think he's a bum. Yeah, it's kind especially of, when you're fucking coked up and you're all fucked up and like. Yes, um, I don't know. the cocaine. help helpless, helpless. Yes, the, like for me,
4: like everybody's on cocaine in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's on cocaine yeah. in this movie.
1: Um, maybe not Joni Mitchell.
4: No, I well
1: and, or Emily Lou Harris. Uh but yes. Maybe.
4: Maybe. Maybe. I think, <laughs> I I think Joni... No, Joni Mitchell had a terrible cocaine addiction. Did she? I thought she was a drinker. No, she had a really bad coke addiction. Oh. Like, really bad. Yeah, he was a 70s man. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, that performance for me is, like, the worst one in the whole movie. Um sure. That and... Um, and I say that being like a huge Neil Young fan. Oh, um, yeah. I'm a b- big, giant Neil Young fan. Yeah. I don't like that performance. And mm-hmm. I don't really care for that song too much, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, it kind of seems like a bummer in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's sing a song about helpless people, but I'm all fucked up on coke. Like, yeah. that's, it's just, it is yeah, what it is. Yeah. So that's, that's where, true. that's the vibe I get from it. i be real. Yeah. Um, Keep it real, man. Other worst performance in the movie yeah. is clearly Neil, uh, Neil Diamond.
1: Oh yeah, the other guy said that was kind of underwhelming.
4: Um, yeah. and it's only underwhelming because like Neil Diamond is a great performer in mm-hmm. his own right, doing his own thing. Like I'm, I'm all there for like Neil, Di- like just being himself. Yeah, great time. But they narrative this movie, uh, like in a way where like they, yes, the band had a lot to do with Roulette Records and all like the payola stuff and the mafia yeah. that had gone on, um, Morris Levy in the sixties. They did have a part of that, but in the same aspect, they weren't Brill Building people at all, and were directly the opposite of Brill Building people. Right. Um. And their musical
1: independent from the ground up, yes. grassroots, pretty bar much band and...
4: sparked yeah. the singer songwriter movement. Yeah. Killed the Cream, all that yeah. stuff, right? Um. And so I feel like having him in there is like kind of like a falsehood, and also it doesn't really state that Robbie Robertson was currently producing. Um, Neil Diamond's oh, okay. uh, album at the time, and was like a push for that in that whole kind of direction, right?
1: Yeah, I saw I saw his appearance because I didn't know about the behind the scenes Robbie Robertson connection. But when I when Neil Young comes on, I mean Neil Diamond comes on, I thought like, oh, this is the band kind of like giving the like, no nah, man, this guy's this guy's not corny, he's cool type of thing to Neil Diamond. So I saw it more as like a publicity kind of thing. And I guess it ultimately was, because like you said. They're... Very show busy. Yeah. Um, Maybe I've, he had really good cocaine. He was Neil Diamond. Uh, I'm I sure he probably did. <laughs> did. Um,
4: I heard backstage, um, Levon Helm said something to the effect of, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> or who the fuck is that guy? Get this
1: Las Vegas motherfucker out of here. Yeah. <laughs>
4: he was like, who the fuck is this guy? And the, yeah. it was like a big squabble. Um, so, yeah. yeah Musically,
1: that- it's underwhelming too. It's like a dirge. It's like strummed out long notes on acoustic guitar and yeah it's it's not powerful vocals like some of his stuff is
4: no it's not very it's not very moving to the um Mm -hmm. even the plot of the movie itself i don't think so um yeah so that's like probably the week for me
1: yeah um how about any of the any of the offstage like interview or behind the scenes stuff that you enjoyed maybe let's think of it like a the heartfelt authentic type of behind the scenes stuff save the funny bits before we um, get to that.
4: So stuff I really like, I do think that Robbie Robertson in this movie, he is rather pretentious. He is a rock star. <laughs> yeah. So like taking that all into account, yes. But in the other aspect of it, the interviews that Robbie Robertson is giving um are quite I feel like tamed for the environment that he was in. So mm. like let's be straight. Like Robbie Robertson was the cleanest, most organized guy was running that band, wrote mm. all the songs was arranging, had his shit together, Yeah. okay? The rest of that band was a bunch of drug addicts, if you're being really honest, uh, other than Garth Hudson. Garth Hudson cleaned the organ player. What
1: about Levon? We talked about how Levon, he never in in the movie had the appearance that he was, like, fucking around. Yes. um, I don't know.
4: Levon, um, so this whole thing was, Levon didn't really want the band to split up because that's his livelihood, that's his money. That's He's a... Ba- he's lifer. a man in a band yeah right. he's a lifer yeah. um and so where Robbie Robertson I think saw that he could do some soundtrack work mm. other stuff and get out of the life of, of music Lee Van Helm wasn't and that's why his presence in this movie is because he, he doesn't even show up till like halfway through this movie yeah yeah in an interview right. and you're just like why isn't he sitting with anybody because yeah. he didn't want to hang out they had just purchased that Shangri-La uh, right. clubhouse that uh, Rick Rubin now owns in LA yep. um <clears throat> and um, they were all hanging out there, and Levon was not a part of that scene. He wasn't hanging out there. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing, like, he He just didn't want to be a part of it. Obviously, he was in the movie, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, his scene. He didn't want the, the band to really end, but you, I clearly see Robertson's point, I think is where I'm getting here, where mm-hmm. I feel like he, where he's like, I've been on the road for 16 years. Yeah. I'm done, yeah. and I feel that because, like, that's not an easy life to live. Like, people think it's fun, but he's expressing, like, this is my life, and I want to be at home with my family. Like, it's about, like, the song, like, what the song is really about. You know what I mean?
1: I know, for the most part, I believe all the members, besides Garth. Garth was about five years older than everybody else. But they all were starting out, like, straight up playing every night when they were, like, 15, 16 years old. Yes, so they... Because these guys are only 32, 33, and then Garth is, like, 38,
4: 39. mm -hmm. And this is the days of, like... Like, people don't know what playing was like back then. Like, these guys are like, you know. Hauling
1: your own gear for 10 years and all that stuff. yeah, Yeah.
4: And, um,. You know, mm. so I really watching it this time again, I really didn't just like hate on Robbie Robertson because it's easy. <laughs> we to hated do.
1: On him on him enough, <laughs> yeah.
4: I feel like it's really easy to hate yeah. on him in this movie, um, and see him as the villain and mm-hmm. the rock star pretentious guy whose mic isn't on and he's singing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's way yeah. too many shots of Robertson, like, yeah, yeah. obviously, and in the interviews are all him, but he's the guy pushing the whole narrative anyway, right. so. Um, I respected his interviews other than Mm. that. Um, I really love like, I love when Richard Manuel's um, that great scene where he's describing how they name the band and how he's like saying what it is by in these like you know, it's during the psychedelic nonsense (laughs) and he's pretty, he's pretty high when he's saying it as well. And, uh, and he's like, you know, the chocolate marshmallows, what what are we going to call our band? And, uh, you know and he's like the crackers <laughs> right. the honkies and like i what he's saying is they're they're making a joke on how like kind of like yeah. corny they know that they're like they're playing
1: bluesy black inspired music and they're a bunch of white, white kids guys from canada and, yeah
4: so yeah. they were they were calling the spade a spade man uh, yeah. like like they and they were doing that he's like but that didn't work so we just oh. call ourselves the band and it's <laughs> like this really magical moment yeah. And it really does encapsulate what the band is and who they are. And, like, that whole statement of, mm-hmm. like, him, like, adding, like, the racy thing in there. Mm-hmm. And, like, that – because that it does have to do with it. And it is who the band are. And mm-hmm. it has everything to do with what they were doing. And um, I think just calling themselves the band really nailed on the head that they were anybody's band. What do you yeah. need? Like, what does the music need? That's what we're here Blues for. Bluegrass country,
1: bluegrass, r b right. rock. Also right.
4: – in this movie, it's so stated out over and over again because they play Joni Mitchell's Coyote, who is, the bass line was played by Jaco Pastorius on that right. song, the, one of the greatest bass players of all time. And then you play it at that concert. It holds up. That performance of that song is great. I yeah. love it.
1: Yeah, You know what I mean? We knew you'd love it. Everyone else. I love it. Uh, can't say that. That was their choice for least favorite performance <laughs> was Coyote. By, Joe, a mi- by a mile. By please. a mile. Yeah. Listen, um,
4: <laughs> that song, let me, Could I just tangent please, on that song? For I a love. Minute? I love that. I think That's, she
1: sounds great on that. Oh, she, it doesn't. It doesn't fit. I said that because it's a little free jazz folk, and it was like the only song of the night that was like, I'm gonna play my new single. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was playing their hits that people knew. Right. It kind of sticks out, but I think she sounds strong vocally.
4: Um, I think she sounds strong vocally. Also, if we're talking about what kind of music was played that night. <laughs> that is um like her, her her the the song coyote is such a well masterfully written song mm-hmm. about um a love triangle connection, a guy mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be dating and right. uh, you know what I mean all that great stuff. and lyrically it is on par with what Dylan was doing, mm-hmm. but feminine right and it's on the top it's like top of her game writing, top of the class. Mm-hmm. And um, even to the point where, like, she's playing stuff that's so technical that almost these guys can't keep up with her anymore Mm -hmm. because she was breaking new ground on the singer-songwriter band that these guys weren't even, like, they – by 76 – they were all in the toilet. Like Dylan's going to – you know what I mean though? Like yeah. let's be straight. Like all these guys were rather washed up, which is why the band was calling it quits. Like Robertson was kind of right. Like it's an end of an era. definitely right. was. And I think Joni Mitchell's song uh, was definitely on the forefront of a new era of singer-songwriter that was going to get pushed forward. It's way ahead of its time. I think it's a great song. It fits yeah. well. Yeah. I think it fits incredibly well. <laughs> Get on that People just aren't Get the, on it baby People uh, aren't on the Joni Mitchell tip I know They just Shera
1: and Court and Spark
4: I listen to Court Spark things. Like right after I watched the uh, Les Waltz I put on Court and Spark I yeah. was like This is a great record yeah. Anyway
1: um, How about Do you have any quotes That stick out In your mind um,
4: Well I The one of the uh, The band Is yeah. obviously Like one of the best ones The marshmallow
1: um, overcoat And yes. all that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> pretty classic um while i was watching it i really love um ronnie hawkins shouting off the uh, side of the stage this is the big time bill because yeah, he's shouting yeah. out to bill graham right. the, the uh, Fillmore promoter and yeah. uh, promoter of winterland where they're yeah. playing that um he had find this is the biggest stage that ronnie hawkins yeah, had yeah. ever played on yeah. which is amazing i love that like side uh squab yeah. like thing um I love when they're playing old-time religion and they're all fucked up. Yeah, we talked about that. (laughs) And, um... It ain't ain't what it used to to be. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best slides ever. Um, and then also right before that where, um, um, uh, uh, bass player, uh, Rick Danko. Danko goes, um, I I got you the baloney. When they're talking about, like, shoplifting, he's like, I stole you the baloney, man. Um, that shit's pretty fucking funny. Uh, (laughs) Um, I really like that, and uh, uh, again, that's like more like funny quotes. But like sure. Neil Young when he looks at Robbie Robertson and goes, "I think we got it now."
1: <laughs> You're like, "Yes." Why don't you go to the bathroom again, Neil Young?
4: <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "I think we got it now." Um, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, what like what quotes did you did you say? Like, um, I want to know what like what you guys. Thought so we talked funny. about
1: the chocolate subway, marshmallow overcoat. Like psychedelic names was funny. We talked about the stealing the baloney and tipping over the cigarette machine. Um, and we talked about uh my favorite was Garth Hudson, because Garth is barely in this movie, but he when they're talking about how he had to tell his parents he was still a music teacher and they had to pay money, and they look at him like, "Well, why was that?" And he's like, "Well, there's a view that uh music is evil." Made by evil people. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> um,
4: oh, cause I I just thought of another one while you were going. Yeah, yeah. When um Robbie Robertson says, "Does Scorsese
1: ask me that again?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. We, or when they're walking in the hallway in Shangri La, and Martin Scorsese said, "Let's start start it now," and they left all that stuff in, like. I think it's an interesting choice. It
4: is an interesting yeah. choice. I liked. Yeah. I liked that they left it in because t- it it breaks like a it breaks the wall, right? Um, which is great. It mm-hmm. shows like that Robbie Robertson is the
1: executive producer or whatever. Thank like, you. He's it's, a creative director, so it and, shows
4: like, that like yeah. it shows both sides of it. You can look at him right. like he's an asshole and saying like, "Ask me that again," but like right. also he chose to leave this in the
1: movie. Like,
4: right. He could have been like Marty, take that shit out. When well, like, they
1: worked on this movie like they filmed november of 76 and this didn't come out to 78 and all those interviews are in 77 yes so like they had time away from it and they you know you want to come across good in the movie that you're giving the rights to and so you're fucking right man
4: right so i i mean i enjoy this but i I really do
1: um how about some outfits we talked about a lot of them i want to hear your thoughts what how about name a couple of outfits that you really enjoyed?
4: Dr. John is yeah. the best dressed dude
1: there. He's
4: the the purple beret, the glasses. Yeah. He looks tight yeah. as shit. He's my favorite outfit, hands down. And it's
1: sparkling. And then when if the camera gets close, you you see that's all of these little sequin roses it's all over his, beautiful. all over his tux. Yeah.
4: His outfit is so on point. He yeah. looks dressed in the nines. I love it. And I like how he's not in his voodoo gear. He's like in like the, it's such a night. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And he's there yeah. to party. Yeah. Um, so he's off his is great um, Robbie Robertson scarf yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: that he's wearing. Yeah. It's so long. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> yeah. like pink. It's yeah. so
4: crazy. Um, so I, <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Richard Manuel's clown shirt. Yeah. Crazy.
1: The the yellow plaid suit. <laughs> it looks like Big Bird. It's like crazy. Oh okay yes. He's oh wearing... the clown. So in oh, the interviews, yes. interviews he's wearing right.
4: the um this the white shirt with right, the polka right. dots on it, right. which looks like a clown shirt. Yeah, and yeah. during the live, you're right, he's wearing that plaid <laughs> yellow, like Green Bay Packers colors. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: <laughs>
1: it's insane. Yeah.
4: Um not an elephant choice, but a hair choice. Sure. Uh yeah. always Garth Hudson's uh, weird Charlie Brown hair that wisps in yeah, front of his right. face when he talks. Right. right. Um <laughs> pretty out there yeah. um i think rick danko is dressed pretty well mm. um i think levon helm style yeah. holds up right at, like today yeah, yeah he's like if he any era that levon helm steps yeah. into in the outfit you're like that yeah. works yeah um he looks really good
1: i um, said i like when he comes in finally to do an interview and he like is straight off the oil rig with his <laughs> denim hat and denim shirt with all his work patches all over and stuff
4: yeah I love, I wish, see the Levon interviews are so interesting to me because yeah. I feel like the stuff he's, he seems like such like a great speaker and mm-hmm. such like a genuine, um, fan of the music mm-hmm. that he's making and the music that he listens to. Like, I feel like when he's getting interviewed with Robertson, like Robertson's like talking over him a little bit. Right. And, um, so like mm-hmm. that wasn't great, but like, you know, yeah, again, we're talking outfits. So yeah. his, uh, that outfit he's wearing that, like the hat makes his head like <laughs> yeah, fucking like right. eight times bigger. Right. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, Eric Clapton looks like shit in this movie.
1: Oh, you think? So? I mean, I think it's a very <laughs> 70s look. Everybody else really liked his outfit. Oh, I hate his outfit. Cuz it's jeans but then it's like a sequined like like velvet tux on top.
4: No, I'm like <laughs> I'm uh, for me, I'm like I like Clapton like dressed up was talking like style-wise, but I like when he's in that like the the big aviators, okay. cigarette hanging out of his mouth yeah. um in like nicely cut like Shoulder length
1: hair. You don't like the quaffed up like feathered no, hair. No, I yeah.
4: want like a just like a shorter, tight yeah, yeah, haircut. Like you it. know. So gotcha. I, that's why I think Clapton looks best. I don't think he looks yeah. good with feathered hair at all. <laughs> it's 1976. <Uh-oh. laughs> um but yeah. So.
1: Um, how about any other funny funny mo- moments or things that we didn't talk about yet?
4: Um, funny moments. Okay, so let's talk. Did you guys talk about how Robbie Robertson's guitar was bronzed like baby shoes?
1: We didn't. You
4: fucking didn't
1: talk no, about but, that. No, because I I actually <laughs> I like it.
4: So Robbie Robertson, It's like a
1: champagne, like purpley silver.
4: Yes. Yeah. So he. <laughs> so back in the day, people would take their baby shoes, yeah. um, and get them dipped in bronze. Mm. And so you could have them forever and then you'd like stick out. They'd be put on like a picture frame and you put like your high school picture there. Mm -hmm. Um, Like everybody did this back in the day. Mm -hmm. So Robbie Robertson thinking this is going to be the last show he ever plays with a band takes his guitar and fucking bronzed the whole thing. So it was actually bronzed like baby shoes. It was
1: like 17 pounds. It
4: was like (laughs) like 50 pounds. He played the whole night with a bronzed guitar.
1: He plays another one he but he does play that one for the majority of the night the end i think yeah. the last song they play which is don't do it which
4: opens the movie right, right. He's, he's playing, playing different, a different guitar because he was like i'm not fucking and playing the, like that i guitar. shall
1: release that i think he's playing something but it's another strat with, yeah because he I'm was tired
4: of playing the bronze guitar because oh, wow. he didn't realize that it was gonna be <laughs> yeah. a four-hour concert with right. a set, like a 50 pound guitar yeah ridiculous um so i think that like, is one yeah. of the funniest things in the movie watching yeah. robbie robertson wield this br- literally bronze guitar like yeah. a moron um <laughs> one of the funniest things i think in the movie that you if you know, just if you know it before you watch right. it it makes it way funnier yeah. um clapton's guitar break uh strap breaking hilarious oh yeah you're right That's um like- I think that's pretty great. That little back and forth that him and Robertson yeah, yeah. have yeah. where Robertson kind of like is like, hey, man, you're playing like shit right now. Like, step it up. Uh, Robertson kind of like makes him like chop yeah. it up. Um, I think Clapton's playing. It's so lazy in, in this whole movie. It's very
1: Clapton. It's like he's I mean, it's good, but it's like running the mill. It's what his stuff is. It, he wasn't pushing it. He wasn't. It was so
4: boring, yeah. man. I was like, you're a superstar yeah. and you always come out like you are Could not give a shit. Yes. Yeah. And it's so under cool for school. Um, funny shit. Uh, Van Morrison who <laughs> also has a fucking great outfit in this movie. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> the the tie trouser pants, yeah. purple.
1: What might call Might call it like a spangled, uh, leotard or something. Unitard. Ridiculous. <laughs> um,
4: he, the funny shit <laughs> where he, uh, says radio, yeah. um, turn on I'm, your electric I'm, light, I'm,
1: light, uh, I've, that's one of my least favorite performances. Oh, I love it. He's just a drunk asshole. Yeah, he's that, just a, I hate him. I uh, I like that. I like he's the doing performance. those fat man kicks and like almost fall off the stage. That's and, my funny. And then he just walks off. That's my. He's funny. like, yeah. And they all stare. I'm like, all right, I guess the song's Van <laughs> yeah, the man. The man. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, the air, when he goes one more time, <laughs> bam! And he just starts air kicking. Yeah. Um, I I like that performance because it's unhinged. Yeah, all right. So right. that's why I do like it. Sure. Um, because it's like unhinged in a good, good yeah, way, as yeah. opposed to like Neil Young's, is like that's oh, like a par- caravan's right. a party song, like sure, sure. The carol. He, yeah, the caravan, and he parties with it, and that's I like that where yeah. like helpless is such a, <laughs> a bummer song, and you're on coke, yeah, that's where like it doesn't work for me, yeah. where like him on coke see a caravan. It's a party. Yeah. And then like the, da, no, 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 da, no, right. no, Like I'm into that. I'm I'll have fun with skat it. Scat singing. Yes.
1: Staring at the ground and like trying to remember what words you're trying to scat sing. It's like, yo man, are you that fucked up? You're scat singing right now. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Get a beep-bop, beep-bop. And he's like out of breath. And he's like, you can see him. Like you can see the wheels spinning. Like, all right, am I singing doo doo bop a dap? What am I singing right now? Because <laughs> he starts – Robertson starts to take a solo. Yeah, right.
4: And then um, he starts right. scat singing over the right. solo, right. and then Robertson kind of backs off, and then he's like, ah, oh, fucked up. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, give him right. it it one more
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm into it, dude. Oh, uh, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, All right, how about – so who – who is your choice as your best guest performance or appearance? It doesn't need to be about their performance, but who is the best non band member in the film, in your opinion? Um, I mean, is uh, the tone,
4: the tone switches when, when Bob comes on stage, mm. like the whole movie almost like it takes like a weird turn because mm-hmm. I agree the everybody on stage is in awe of Bob and they're all huge. The biggest stars in the world, like yeah. Neil Young, Joni Mitt. these are big class stars.
1: We all think he's kind of Bob the Slob in this movie, and he's like barely doing anything.
4: Oh yeah, he comes because I think he comes on and is like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? There's a bunch of cocaine. Like, is yeah. I think Bob is like, I'm not here.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, one of my favorite things in here in the movie. Actually, speaking of like, of you know, because I is he your choice? He's your favorite guest? I don't know if he's my favorite guest, yeah. but like. The air impact
1: the, imp- the yeah, just on the air, impact
4: all. alone, like you yeah. would feel like the air just like kind of like changes. Um, yeah. they start to sing Forever Young, and it's kind of coming off like, yeah, and I don't really give a fuck. And Dylan shoots Robbie a look because Robbie must be, like, oh, no, oh, like shrugging his shoulders. And Bob, like, gives him a look, like, and shrugs his shoulders and goes, like, yeah, fuck it. It's rock and roll. yeah, And, like, Ugh. that is one of, like, the most, like, weird moments and telling moments because Dylan breaks the wall completely, looks at Robertson, goes, yeah, whatever, yeah. shrugs his shoulders and then goes back to singing. And then, like, it's just one of those, um, you know, it's just one of those, like, things where it, I think – I don't think he's the best guest, but he's definitely – it's weird, he's weirdly impactful because you don't, like, I almost forgot he was going to, like, show up, and then at the end of the movie, he shows up, you're like, oh, fuck. Um, Again, uh, I think I'm going to go with my favorite guest is fucking Doctor John. I think, cool. I, yeah. I, I think he's my favorite. I think
1: he's the first guest in the order of the movie.
4: Ronnie, I think Ronnie. Oh, Hawkins Ronnie Hawkins is the first guest. Him? Okay. Which I like, Ronnie yeah. Hawkins. I don't think that's a good performance of that song. Oh, I just I love like it. you. Oh, yeah. I love it for the craziness of Ronnie right, Hawkins. Right. That's why I like. Where it. he's like, he looks. I like. I love when he looks at the boys in like a genuine way, and he's just like, and he real?" And like yeah. for a second, there's this heartfelt like man, like I put right. these boys together. Right. I and like, even if I didn't do all this, like I'm yeah. so happy to see them here and be yeah. here. And I I just think that's a great moment too. So
1: Dr. John, I just love, I think that, I think that was Mike's choice maybe. Yeah. I just think great. he's great. And he, he's in, sings his thing for three and a half minutes. All right, Dr. John. And he's like, see you later alligator.
4: And, <laughs> and for me, for like being like a music fan, um, that is what tipped me off to Dr. John sure, yes, yeah, um, you know, a person yep. and that it was very impactful for me. So I yeah. probably say like, that's where I'm at.
1: Mm. Um, out of the five members of the band, who is your favorite band member in this movie? Richard Manuel. I love Richard Manuel. Oh, I'm man. always
4: a yeah. Richard Manuel fan. Richard yeah. Manuel sings my favorite band songs.
1: Um, which would be,
4: um, I shall be, Released." I shall be released. Um, he sings, um, uh, uh, across the Great Divide. Nope, no. that's um, Levon. Oh, that is Levon. He sings um, like uh, Lonesome Susie on the first record, which I really love. Yeah. Um, Whispering Pines.
1: He's like, te- in, by all accounts, he's kind of technically the lead singer because he sings the most. But I think he sings on the least amount of hits. Yes, he. Which is why, maybe that's why he's not shown so much in the movie. Maybe it's because he was so fucked up the whole time. Yes. Maybe because the camera near him was like notoriously malfunctioning the whole night so like he's barely on camera when there's any performance they show him during during Shape I'm In And it's o- it's usually only in a wide shot Of the whole stage Yes Because the camera off on that side Was fucked up Yes And they did
4: not get like any good yeah. shots Especially during uh, Clearly during uh, I Shall Be Released When yeah. he takes like that verse And um, they don't get him at all Yeah he's
1: like way behind Everybody playing piano Yeah and they like Don't get yeah. him singing that whole verse By himself at all Yeah I think people think That Levon's lead singer Because Levon sings on more of the hits Yeah
4: Levon but... is like Such like the right. face of the band But Richard Manuel and this is why he's my favorite. True. Is he brings a sensitivity to mm-hmm. the band that I feel like would be incredibly lacking. Like songs like, uh, like Whispering Pines and mm-hmm. just stuff like that. He really, he, I feel like he's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And even outwardly in that movie, he's got this a face of um, party guy, fun. Yeah. Um, but there's like the serious like thing going on there where you know his voice is like so beautiful and there's so much Mm. stuff going on and um that's why he's my favorite member of the band um and he's a maniac in this movie
1: too yes he's absolutely unhinged he's like "Eh, eh, oh yeah he's having all these like like delusionary jokes to himself and stuff yes
4: "Uh, and uh, you are really watching like a one of the most talented dudes like fall apart and it's also why this is a great documentary because Robertson is like, I'm out of here. I've been on the road for 16 years. And if you really watch this movie with like open eyes and not like a fanboy kind of mm-hmm. thing, you really see that this movie is like Robbie Robertson is trying to like stay um, alive in a group of drug addicts. Right. Um, and let's be honest, uh, Richard Manuel um, ended his life of, of suicide um, a couple – Yeah, like in five 80, years maybe. 80, yeah, 83 I think.
3: Yeah,
4: five, yes. Um, and – you know, had struggled with drugs and alcohol for the rest of his life. And I feel like I just really love him in this movie because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of great, funny stuff, but there's also uh, like that the
1: sadness behind it, and yeah, it. Yeah, there's a
4: lot going on in there. Yeah. And like not to be like so serious about mm-hmm. it, but like, you know what I mean? Like these are real people. This is yeah. a real movie. This really did happen. This is a documentary. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so I like that. So- um, there's also, like, i have going to choose bummer scenes for, like, the reasons I like people, but sure, sure. Um, even Rick Danko, when they're listening to his new record in Shangri-La, yeah, we talked about that, and he yeah. sticks his head down, and he's yeah. really, like, kind of just sinking right there, and, the, the like, um, the shadow is all black and white um, on his face. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a real telling moment where he's like, I this is cool, but it's not like what I want to be doing and um Rick Danko is also like a lot like Richard Manuel where you see these like very childlike, great like people, but they right. are struggling a lot and I feel like if you really watch the movie with like that kind of lens, it opens up into like this kind of like oh, very, yeah. very interesting thing to what it is to be a band, why the that band broke up, you know what I mean? And yeah. um I just really like those two members for that reason in this in this movie I think they they're um, their scenes there and are very compelling for a lot of reasons
1: yeah I would agree so yeah um, and so who's your choice as the the overall like MVP of the movie I'll, I'll tell you um, who we chose Mike and I both said Martin Scorsese um, for the reason of putting together this whole thing and like editing it for two years and all the things that went into it Roy kind of jumped on that. And was also saying how, like, the whole crew, the tech crew, the, like, five cameramen and, like, all the people, all the behind the scenes that had to go to, to organize the whole thing. Um, but who would your choice be for the MVP of this?
4: I'm going to say Levon okay, is probably yeah. the yeah. MVP of this movie because for somebody being so little involved and mm. in having so much of the spirit in. Mm-hmm. Um, charisma of the band come out through you. Right. Um, I feel like that's why he's the MVP. Um, when uh, they're doing the, uh, the the night they drove old Dixie down, and the uh, crowd starts cheering mm-hmm. during like the the, the comeback up, yeah. it, like that really did happen. The crowd yeah. really did do that. That's such a moving moment, and that's like that's him, man. That's Levon, yeah. like bringing that in. Um, that moment that's like a very emotional. Also, like just the, Levon singing like don't do it in the beginning you know i love it just he's just hammering it down he's got his neck craned into the mic Mm -hmm. um he is such a compelling performer Mm -hmm. which is why i feel like he's the mpv of this movie he kills every single scene he's in musically just his voice um even when he's like um they're doing um uh i can't think of the name of the song but he goes um He's like I sure wish I could yodel like a, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like just that that ad lib, so amazing. Up on Cripple Creek. Up on yeah, Cripple yeah. Creek. Is the yeah. name of that tune. Thank you.
1: Yep.
4: Um, But he's like that little ad lib. I right. feel like he s- steals like yeah, every yeah. kind of scene.
1: I agree musically, and we talked about how there's so much. There's a lot of overdubs of the music because like Denko's bass without a tune, and you can tell like his he's not doing what he actually is playing on the film. Um, and there was a lot of overdub on guitar solos for Robertson, but um, they couldn't overdub the Levon stuff because he's playing drums at the same time. There's too much mic bleed, so like he is on, and that was his performance that night. Those vocals and that drumming, like, and it's so sick. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of the most
4: insane things to yeah. like watch what he's playing on drums and what he's phrasing vocally. Right. It is, it, few people can do it, and it's that's yeah, and why. This, it,
1: and this is a music. This is a concert. Documentary and like he is the dude who, like, musically is up there very effortlessly, just like bringing it. Yes, yeah, I love it.
4: Um, so that and so I feel like he's the MVP for that kind of reason. Um, the what, what you know, the movie's about. Um, but if you're gonna talk like Scorsese for a minute, just just the set, he set the band up with such a beautiful backdrop. If Mm. you're watching this on like a high def TV, he. Is does these my favorite shots in the movie are the slow crawls across the stage no band has ever been shot this beautifully before Mm -hmm. I wish they would do it again for any other kind of rock band but he's got these slow on um, the dolly moves yeah on the dolly and it's just dollying across the stage and the stage is um, red drapes um, beautiful chandeliers like beautiful like shit. 12 foot yeah hanging chandeliers it's yeah. like a cathedral ceiling and yeah. there's beautiful red uh, ribbon drape behind them there's the beautiful chandeliers in the shot um it, it they look like so like regal and beautiful yeah, yeah. um and this every shot is just so compellingly nice and that those steady shots um where they're going across the stage
3: mm-hmm.
4: beautiful great some of the best you know footage yeah. I've ever seen of a band playing, and then, like even up on like when they're up on close up on the mic when they're sharing mics with each mm-hmm. other singing um again, I don't really dig the song, but the shot where like Neil Young and Robbie and um Rick Danko are all yeah. singing in the mic, fucking great shot, beautiful, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love it, and the shots yeah. of Levon during the night they drove all Dixie down,
1: right, great, yeah, that's what we talked about, and Roy brought it up, and then we talked about how like shooting in 35 millimeter with a real Hollywood film cruise. And like, like you said, the slow action cameras, cause a lot of music documentaries before and even after it's kind of like found footage, like shaky cam handheld mm-hmm. stuff. And this was like, everybody had their actions camera wise. And then they took it all and edited it after the fact. But, um, yeah, it it does look amazing. You, it still holds up like we were saying how it looks like it was made 10, 15 years after it was actually made.
4: Yeah, and like just the, and even like the stuff shot on the sound stage. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Exactly. Um the last song when they yeah. do the last waltz theme yeah, and they oh, yeah. they silhouette the band in mm-hmm. in the that beautiful shadow yeah. on the back wall. Um, and mm-hmm. the shot with uh, and then Emmy Lou is just like mm-hmm. oh it's one of the most gorgeous shots of a right. band I've ever seen it's right. so fucking good yeah,
1: oh. yeah uh any last thoughts about the band or the last waltz in general
4: um it's a great movie um yeah. i think we kind of went like a bit a little bummery like because i like i watch it's it it's
1: part of the it's it is it's it part is. of the movie yeah. it's a great
4: film yeah. it's a film it's you gotta think it's a it's a music documentary like you just said shot mm-hmm. by martin scorsese one of right. the greatest directors of all right. time so it's a lot of really good just there's a lot of great content in there it's probably it's way more real than like, I remember it being mm. like, I remember it like thinking it was kind of like fake because he's like, ask me that again. But putting that all in there is mm. such like a, um, you know, telling thing. And right. you know, it's really a uh, revealing movie of mm-hmm. a time and place.
1: Yeah. the And it was, it was the end of an era because a lot of the people featured went on to do stuff afterwards, but it kind of was like the very end of the whole, Summer of Love, hippie generation. Because like by the time you get to mid seventies, music and the scene and culture is going in a different direction.
4: Yeah, that whole singer songwriter yeah. thing that is represented here is yeah, it's it's so dead right after this. It's right. deader than it, I mean, you got to think disco man. So yeah, you know it's uh right. yeah, I just. Uh, again I just want to shout out one more thing. The sure. opening sequence when they're going we're talking about like the end of an era when they're going through and showing the people outside. Mm-hmm. Um and then they show the winterland mm-hmm. uh sign that's all like half lit and out <laughs> right. and like they're kind of Yeah. Sh- that's the movie, man. Yeah. That's the movie. It's the that's en- end of an era like you yeah. said. So, yeah. I really uh recommend yeah. everyone watch it and enjoy the Check next it out on,
1: on Tubi.
4: Tubi. For free with ads. I couldn't find my DVD copy. So oh no! I bought. I just bought it digitally, so I'd have I watched it on Tubi. Yeah.
1: It's the first movie I've seen on Tubi, and it was worth it.
4: How were the ads?
1: Um, I think it was five minute and a half ad breaks. Oh my so, god! I should so have just done cu- that. So a quarter of the ads you would have watching it on TV, or, or or an eighth of the ads you would have it watching on TV. That's not bad at all. Because it's it's an hour 50, 58 minutes. Okay. I think the movie. Yeah, yeah. Perfect.
4: It is. It definitely made me pull out some records, too, which I was excited to listen to again.
1: It inspires uh, to go back down and listen to this era. Cool, man. Right on. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Check out the band, Last Waltz.
4: Choo-choo. Bye, everyone.
2: Most of us, i.e. comedians, treat open mics as a necessary evil. But not Silas P. Every week, Silas talks to a veteran of the sights, sounds, and smells of the Philly open mic scene, sharing stories of momentary triumph and lingering failure with enough shit talk sprinkled in to make you listen to hear your name. I'm, like, 35% sure that... I'm in there. So pay attention, hang out in the room, and maybe you'll learn why you got bumped on the launching pod. You want at Welcome, back. For Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back.
0: Welcome uh, back. In lieu of talking about an actual album this week, Roy suggested that we talk about. The Arlo Guthrie song, Alice's the Restaurant Massacre, the Alice's massacre. Restaurant
1: massacre, which it's almost 19 minutes long. It's a whole side A of an album.
0: Yeah, I was thinking because I, I I've never listened to that, like to be completely honest. And I was like, oh, he just wants to listen to just the song. And then I was like, oh, it's because it's an 18 minute song. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't
1: too familiar as well, but I'm yeah. glad I listened to it because it's a, it's a cool piece of work.
2: Well, and it's it once again going folk music wise. It's kind of epic, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. As far as you know, the the American epic, you know, our story. Yeah. Uh, first thing that you have to remember is this is something that is documented in music that actually happened on the East Coast. It didn't happen in San Francisco or Monterey or yeah, in Arizona on the road in the desert. This shit happened in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, yeah. in the southern Berkshires, not too far from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Less than a hundred miles. And, you know, there were Beatnik weirdos out here on the East Coast that were blazing their own trails. And, you know, folk the folk music tradition in New England, you know, is huge. And blue bluegrass and folk music all relates back to these guys. And, you know, that song is a ode to a time that you know, you, you could get away with writing an 18-minute song mm-hmm. that's really a anti-draft song. That's really yeah. what it's about. It's really an anti-war protest song, mm-hmm. um, done comedically. Yeah, and to be able to it, to to be palatized by, things. I mean, I remember every year driving to Rhode Island on Thanksgiving to Boone Lake in Exeter, Rhode Island, and We intentionally planned our ride to be able to listen to Alice's Restaurant at 12 o'clock on WPLR.
3: And (laughs) it's a big big tradition. Yeah. It's it's a big thing. People for, and it's not just
2: New England. People, it's a a time piece. Mm -hmm. It's a time capsule, which is, once again, we're talking about The Last Waltz this week, which is, we're Mm -hmm. probably recognizing it more as a time capsule than a piece of art, but it really is. It really. In Alice's restaurant, Arlo Guthrie is a time capsule himself. I mean, you want to talk about people that hold musical knowledge and you know really pass the torch from a generation, You know, yeah. taking music of his past generation right. and bringing it to the people that brought it forward. He used a bridge. And yeah. that song, its song is great. It's got some great content. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. There was a humor in music at that time. We
1: recorded live, so you get to hear the laughs
0: yeah i love that the the crowd interaction with him yeah that's that's awesome and
1: it is 20 year old arlo guthrie 1967 is released um i know that it -hmm. was like famously he claims that he gave his dad woody guthrie the demo copy of this and it was like one of the last things woody guthrie was listening to before he died Mm -hmm. because he died they died like he died within a month of the full album version being released um yeah, a very... It's like a Shell Silverstein type of... Yeah, story. right, right. Yeah. yeah. That beatnik, that hippie, like, you know, that new generation perspective on things. Yeah. Tongue well, and to cheek. not
2: have it... To be able to achieve putting a message out without having to be overly serious about it either yeah. or being overt about it he didn't yeah. have the song about alice's restaurant unless you really sit there and break down what he's talking about you have no idea what he's talking about <laughs> yeah right. the melody of it was <laughs> no idea that this is a protest song and kind of yeah. it, it's, it's an it's an original anti-police song yeah. you know right, like right. it is it's yeah you know getting fucked with for dumping garbage you know yeah. which i mean i'm, not, yeah. I'm an anti litterer
1: myself <laughs> yeah <of laughs> but still i'm not into can we make our now. own song that's an anti-literar alice's restaurant <laughs> a backlash to alice's restaurant <laughs> um yeah it's a cool piece because i like how it, it is that epic style of um songwriting tradition where it opens with the kind of non-sequitur sing songy chorus and then he tells his whole tale of what happened to him and then he closes and it's kind of like the call to arms for people that have his viewpoint and don't believe that people should be drafted into war and don't believe that authority should be like telling you what to do and he's like hey this is like our secret code if you know if you if one person sings it it's one thing if two people sing it if a whole town starts singing it you know maybe it becomes a movement yeah. um, and people who know what it means know what it means kind of thing because Alice's restaurant has, doesn't factor really into the story, other than nope. it's the setting of the beginning of the story. That's right, all it
2: right. Is. Um, and it's not actually the, it's not exactly how it works. The the restaurant is in Stockbridge down there. The the church that Alice's. Is- Alice lived in is in great Barrington around it's 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 a few miles away yeah so like it kind of is two different settings I actually just drove by the other day it's I've been I went on my 30th birthday and ate at Alice's restaurant (laughs) did you and it's not Alice's restaurant anymore it's whatever the name of the restaurant former site of Alice's restaurant yeah but it's it it, it was okay it's very they only serve you a
1: a plate of
2: garbage that's been thrown (laughs) into (laughs) a cliff
1: (laughs) and then you get arrested when you walk out (laughs)
2: Seventeen glassy photos. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, it, it, he yeah. does all the voices. It's it's really good, yeah. and it's a it's a timepiece, and yeah. I think yeah, that, I think that it deserves it deserved mention. And
0: yeah, so yeah, and it's it, it's as Thanksgiving yeah. as pumpkin pie. Right. Well, I was gonna say it's that's the that's the cool <laughs> thing too. Like you know, like obviously, like Christmas gets all the songs, right? Like yeah. let's be honest. Like if there's a holiday that gets all the songs, yeah. it's Christmas, and you know Thanksgiving being like sort of that that Christmas precursor. It's like oh well once once Thanksgiving comes and goes, then it's considered the holiday season. You know, uh, and um, I just love the fact that the two things that are tied into Thanksgiving from a musical perspective is the are, are the Last Waltz and Alice's Restaurant. I'm just it just makes me so happy that those are the Thanksgiving like because it you know I mean obviously with Alice's Restaurant like I've heard the song it wasn't necessarily part of my Thanksgiving experience but the Last Waltz definitely has been and uh and then listening to this song it's like oh good another thing to add to the Thanksgiving soundtrack cuz every year I listen to the Last Waltz but like having this song to be able to throw in there too is just uh it's just great. Yeah my la- great.
2: my last thought would just be like please bring back art and popular music make it where yeah. can we can we get it where it's it's uh culture, culturally yeah. acceptable to you know, have metaphor in your music that says something, and doesn't have yeah. to come right out and be visual. Or even if it is visual, let it be subtle. Let it. It. Yeah. Both of these. Bring both of these back. things bring me back to a time that I don't think I ever fully experienced, but mm-hmm. I got to see as a kid because mm-hmm. all of these things that we're talking about are all. You know, the music was good. The, 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 sub, yeah. the substance of the music was good enough where you didn't have to put a big coating on it to sell mm-hmm. it. It sold itself because it was good. The poetry was good. Right. The, yeah. ar- the artistry was good. So that's my final thought. Bring yeah. back artistry and popular music. So yeah.
1: join us noon, Thanksgiving afternoon, throw on Alice's Restaurant. Throw on any classic rock radio station. They yeah. will most likely be playing it. Yeah. And it's only it's 19 minutes and it's very worthwhile. Yeah,
0: for sure. Create your own Thanksgiving traditions with the soundtrack of Arlo Guthrie and the band is, I think, what we're saying. Uh, Anyway, don't forget to like and subscribe on all social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram. We have a YouTube that we don't update we so don't check it out so don't check yeah. that out no check it out i mean i don't i don't remember the last episode we threw up on there but we're trying to incorporate video at some point in the near future i've been saying that for the last year and a half but at some point the youtube will be we're still building in our use... camera yeah we're still yeah exactly <laughs> we have to carve the lenses out of sea glass <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll get Scorsese to come and start start
1: filming it for us. That's what we need. We need that budget. Yeah. Thank uh, you guys for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you it, was for a coming, it was a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. We love having pleasure. you, man. We love having you Once You're a cool. year, whether you need me or not. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, always yeah.
2: need
0: you. Well, yeah, for sure, man. So yeah. uh, until next time, this has been Get in the Garage. Happy
1: Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. everybody. Eat
0: lots of turkey and uh,
1: listen to some good
0: music. Listen to some good music. We'll see you next time.
1: This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com
3: podcasts.